0: Episode 78, I almost said 78P, 78P is on Thursday for the
1: patrons. This is just episode number 78, Hotshot Scott. Is there a clear-cut winner in the old naming of the podcast? Yeah, it's the Kraken. Okay, good. <laughs> He's still saying Kraken up. Now, Kraken. Now, now,
0: now I'm going to be very, as much as I didn't like Kraken, to start with now. I'm going to be d- disappointed if it's not the crack because I've been practicing my crab and walking around the house. The kids are like, Why do you keep saying cracking? Because I just like the, the what do you mean? Is there an official
1: naming? decision on the on the podcast you know like we name it it's mitch unfiltered oh oh, is that what it's called now yeah yeah what are you asking because i have a number 78 in mind and i'm wondering if you've gone through and looked and said oh it's definitely this person
0: oh no 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 i never do that i mean i i guess i kind of do it but you've never really come to the forefront and said i have a 78 i want this if you want... The, I, I don't mean, know if you, I want it. If I you just, want this, we're going to do this for you. I just want to Consider know it done.
1: If you can do better, you might... I, I hope this person wears 78. I should have probably looked it up before we started the show. <laughs> I think you would be you a good idea. idea.
0: Episode 78 is about to begin. Subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe, rate, and review. Available on Apple Podcasts and other prominent platforms like Spotify.
1: I, I was actually reading some of the comments. and you did. I, I pulled a funny one off. Would you like to hear it? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Your instinct is right. Are you are you are you going to are you going to pan me now? Well, it was funny cuz I swear like 99 99- We used to get
0: 5 5 stars from everyone. Yeah. And now, I don't know if that's the case anymore since you've, you've arrived.
1: Well, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I was going to tell you, most of them were great. Like yeah, 99% yeah. of them were very nice. Yeah. This one kind of made me laugh. Are you ready? Why Why <laughs> is this not a surprise that
0: Scott Soden would read thousands, literally yeah. thousands yeah. of nice reviews of the Mitch Unfiltered podcast, of which you are a prominent member? That's right. You're on the staff. You're, you're an employee of Mitch Unfiltered. And yet you have searched out the one <laughs> or the two that wouldn't be so...
1: Happy. It's just one, but it made me laugh because the, then they, they sort of showed their cards at go the end. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is a pretty impressive sentence. Okay. Mitch has cocky tendencies. Oh, no. That undermine otherwise almost believable attempt at contrition. <laughs> That's quite oh, the God. sentence, isn't it? But then listen to this. Uh, uh, wish Mitch would uh, overcome his bias and give the Sounders some love. So there you go. They just so showed their cards. you're suggesting
0: that it's just a, a, a sensey. Po- I've always said soccer fans. Yeah. The most sensitive group of sports fans in the world soccer fans.
1: Yep. There you for go. whatever
0: reason do you not agree with that have we talked about that yeah, or well, did yeah. i talked to you did i talk to jay ham your predecessor when i had all five star ratings <laughs> um did i talk to him about that? no no we talked about it oh, oh, Yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. They're soccer very fans that that run across somebody who doesn't love soccer and maybe not embrace it on the program i i, I talk a little bit about it. like i'm gonna do nhl on this episode 78 i'm not an any i'm not a hockey guy I grew up. Look, I grew up like I I would think many others. I don't know how you did. I grew up baseball, basketball, football. That's me. Tennis, golf, baseball, basketball, football, tennis, golf. That's it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any. None of my friends played soccer. I I kid you not. Not I don't even as a kid. no, we didn't play soccer like in the street. there was no I don't remember any organizations. I don't remember any buddies that said to me, "I can't hang out today because I gotta go to my soccer game. Oh, wow. we all played in the same baseball league. We all played in the same football basketball league. we all a lot of us played golf, maybe some of us didn't, tennis, whatever. i I, I could honestly, as I sit here looking at you, can say, I don't recall. Any friend of mine playing soccer. Any, not one friend of mine. Now, maybe in high school, once the high school soccer team, I'm talking about, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds when you're hanging out with guys and you're at their houses.
1: I didn't know anybody who played soccer. I played four years of soccer. Okay. From second to fifth until my grandma said I was too fat for soccer. And I had to move it along to football. <laughs> <laughs> she what wasn't grand- wrong, by the way. What a grandma. <laughs> yeah, my dad's mom. Oh, what the hell are you playing God. soccer for? You're too fat for soccer. Oh,
0: stop that, grandma. Yeah. She really said that. Yeah,
1: she wasn't wrong, by the way. I mean, I was a
0: yeah, big kid. Yeah, but grandmas don't typically say that to their grandsons. This one did. <laughs> <laughs> Get her on the Is she still alive Oh, I wish. She would be great. Oh. She was about... 85 give her a pounds mi- give her a microphone big please. mouth oh
1: she would just smoke those brown oh, cigarettes and always had a cocktail and oh. would just light into whoever put her on the i mic, know i wish she was around for god's sakes
0: may yeah. she rest in peace our second show this week will be released on thursday we'll call it 78p uh why p by the way ask me who invented the whole 78p why we call the Patreon episodes the second episode of the show
1: uh, uh each week a p episode uh, sorry, maybe because patron starts with P? Is it something a little yeah, that's, more... Yeah,
0: that's why, but Jason <laughs> Hamilton is the one who came up with the idea. I was just going to keep going. Like, I would have called it 79, 80, Oh, I 18, see what you're saying. But he said, no, 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 no. Let's call it 78P. That was a Jason Hamilton thing. So if you don't like that, <laughs> and the whole the whole idea of charging people $5 a month, that was a... That was a Steve Dion thing. So if you don't...
1: Look at you letting yourself off the hook. No, it's not
0: true. $5 a month gives you access to all of these second full shows. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com and become a patron. On episode 78, we have four guests, not including you and me, in our Fakakta segments where we discuss all the insane things about sports. but. Jason Locke and Fora will be back on the uh, oh, on the great. show. Jason Lockenfour and Fora has done very few, if any, regular Monday shows. He was always on the P shows because we could never arrange oh, right. him on yeah. Sunday nights during the football season. He's a little otherwise occupied yeah. on Sunday nights. So we never could have him on the regular Monday shows. So this will be the first time the non-patrons who only listen to Monday shows for a long time will hear from Jason Locke and Fora. He's going to tell you what the most – the, the single, he did a column – the single most pressing need of every one of the 32 NFL teams. Oh, interesting. So okay. I'm going to ask him to tell us the other 31 and just ignore the Seahawks.
1: Good. I think you should. And by the way, only one? Only one pressing and need? By, and one pressing <laughs> oh need God. for each
0: team. And he disagrees, by the way, with the masses on Jadavion Clowney. You'll listen to that. Good. He doesn't think that Jadavion Clowney is going to get what everybody else thinks he's going to get. I happen to think Jason Lock and Four is wrong mm-hmm. on that, but we'll have to wait and see. And then... This is the craziest year offseason in the history of the NFL when it comes to quarterbacks. Did you know that the following names are free agents? Brady, Breeze, Prescott, Tannehill, Rivers, Winston, Dalton, Mariota, Bridgewater, brissett all free Jeez. agents. This is the craziest offseason. Yeah. So I'm going to ask Jason Locken and Fora, CBS NFL Insider, Come on, stick your neck out. Tell me where every one of these guys is going to land.
1: You talked about it would be so weird to see Brady in a different uniform, but what about about Drew Brees? That would be weird, too. Well, I
0: don't think you have to anything to worry about. Either he's going to be in a coat and tie in a broadcast booth, that would be the different uniform, or he's going to stay with the Saints. Okay, there's no
1: going anywhere else I don't think there's any
0: chance that Drew Brees is going anywhere else. Brady, on the other hand, in a Charger. Weird, yeah. In the lightning, in the powder blue Charger. (laughs) Wow. Not sure the Chargers
1: would want to go that route, though. How about in
0: an Oakland Raider, black and silver, the Vegas, are they going to be the the Vegas Raiders? Yeah. Tom Brady, hanging out on the strip, playing cards. He just lets his life go to to, to all
1: hell. (laughs) He's spiraling in a gambling addiction. Completely (laughs) see see him in the alleys, you know, with shady
0: characters. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Andy Ied is a local all things hockey guy, a Northwest, you know, T-Birds, I don't know, T-Birds, Everett. Uh, Silver Tips. Silver Tips. Yeah. He's a big, and he's big into the whole NHL scene, so I want to find out about the.
1: The, the Kraken.
0: Yeah, that's right. The Kraken. Is Kraken going to be it? Or now the, the organization's going out of their way to say, I don't know where this rumor started, but it's not true. Hope they don't do that. That's silly. They already did
1: it. What are you, they already came out?
0: They already came out and said this rumor, I don't know where it started. They're trying to, they're trying to, Uh, yeah, it's going to be the crack. It's going to be the crack. It's going to be the Kraken. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star on Bobby Knight's return to Assembly Hall. He said he'd never go back in the hopes that everybody, all the administrators are dead. (laughs) He hopes they all die. Yeah. He he said that on the Dan Patrick show. What about all those other people that are there that some of which you, I hope they're all dead, he said. Well, he went back at 79 years old. He didn't look good. He didn't I, look I couldn't
1: tell if he looked ill or old. Both. Really? I think he's a com- He's 79 years old. Right, so he just could have looked like a 79-year-old. Could. But when I saw that, I had some... Yeah, I, I know you're a big sad. college basketball guy. I'm a huge... You we'll talk thoughts. about... We,
0: we can talk about that if you want outside of the segment. I think Zach Osterman, you're going to love Zach Osterman. I think he does a great job great. in kind of uh, not only not only telling the tale of what it was like in that arena when he finally came back after 20 years, but just the whole... You know, Bobby Knight is a very complex, controversial, contradiction in terms character.
1: Complex is a great word a for him. A lot me. of really people, is.
0: many, many, many people hate that guy. Yeah. For what he stands for and some of the things he's done and said. And he's shown no contrition along the way. And he's just, he's been a bully all of his life. And now others would say, oh, yeah, it's not great. He's not great, but, but he's old school. You know, he's he comes from a different generation as the rest of us. It was different back then. He grew up. So not to excuse him, but maybe just to understand
1: who he is. I, I don't know. I always tend to go down that road of he's just a big jerk, really. Yeah. But then I see all these his former players love him. Former players love him. Right. So how big of a jerk can he really be? Right. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was there. Well, there's, him and-
0: you know, there's a lot of people who are jerks to certain people and not jerks to other people. I don't know. Dr. Eric Fagel-Ding, that you wouldn't know who that is. He's a Harvard-educated, Johns Hopkins-educated scientist who's on the staff at Harvard University School of Public Health. is going to be on episode 78 as I wander away every once in a while now that we're out of football season. Yeah. I want to wander away from sports just to get into something that everybody's talking about. And But from what I can tell, in fact, if you go out into our kitchen right now, People are wearing surgical masks. I mean, it's <laughs> gas masks. <laughs> right. No one wants yeah. to get the coronavirus. I haven't seen my my 14-year-old's face in about six weeks since he learned of the coronavirus. Yeah. He's covering himself up. We're all we're all deathly scared here in in the uh, in the house about the coronavirus. So we'll find out what's the truth behind the new coronavirus from
1: Doctor Eric Fagel Ding on episode seventy-eight. I wore a hazmat suit to my daughter's game just in case, just in case you know somebody might have gone to China for work. By the way, we're going to start with your daughter's
0: game and a text that I received from one Hot Shots. That's the way we're going to start episode seventy. I'm ready. All right. Episode 78 brought to you by the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage. Please give Jordan Flowers' team a call at 425-250-3150 because a refinance might make sense for you and your family for the last six or eight months. People all over the country have been reducing their monthly payments. That could be you pulling thousands and thousands of dollars out of their loan, renovations, whatever they want, the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage. Evergreen Govcall, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest with offices along the West Coast, not only the originator of Evervestment, a new program that caters to those of us that don't have the wealth of many of Evergreen's clients, but we still want to grow our money, right? They're one of the biggest reasons that Mitch Unfiltered continues week after week with episode seventy-eight now. Check them out, Evervestment, E-V-E-R-V-E-S-T-M-E-N-T dot com. And Zeke's Pizza. More sports pizza and craft beer, a true Northwest original. My family and I love Zeke's Pizza. We'll be doing our March Madness Pool, the Levy March Madness Pool. We call it the Dash for the Cash in March at the Bellevue location. 17 great spots from Linwood to Tacoma, and now right to your door, too. Download the Zeke's Pizza app, Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest, and Daniel's Broiler. Don't forget a bottle of Veuve Clicquot Champagne for just $40 at the Leschi location to celebrate Daniel's 40th birthday here in the month of February. Regularly, one forty-five. this month. Just $40 with the order of one entree. Four great locations, although the deal's only available at Leschi. South Lake Union, Bellevue, and the spectacular new Daniel's in the downtown Seattle Hyatt Regency. Daniel's Broiler. World-class steakhouse. Here we go. Episode 78 starts right now. Unfiltered. There is video of Patrick Mahomes on a float going down the avenue with the barricades up and there's like four people standing off to the side unfiltered when max says or when brett says to me i want to watch something on youtube it's going to be something that i don't understand it's video game related it's right over my head or sci-fi or star wars or something And, and and it's the worst the worst sales job ever is dad i want you to watch this video mitch is unfiltered With episode 78, episode DJ
1: Fluker. Okay, it's not gonna be episode DJ Fluker. Episode Archell. Yeah. Episode Bruce Smith. That's who I was thinking of, Bruce Smith. He was Hall of Famer. He was amazing, right? You know what I loved about Bruce Smith, and there's probably a handful of characters that you can
0: come up with, handful of athletes in different sports that you can come up with that will fit the bill of what I'm about to tell you. Okay. Bill, no pun intended. Yeah, no <laughs> pun intended. I'm I'm not smart enough for that. Um, the the superhuman looking athlete who doesn't sound like oh. when he talks, Mike Tyson is that yeah. the prime example? Bruce Smith is a great. Do you remember? Do you have any memory? Oh, you got go back and look. Okay. What? You know, this, <laughs> just this behemoth of a human yeah. being who would come up with 20 sacks a year. Hi, hey, how are ya?
1: you? Know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like Is on healing. That's who you want? Is well, no, that that's you're... just the first one I thought of. The best 78 was that one. But you might tell me somebody else.
0: Jackie Slater. Episode Jackie Slater. Tackle for the Rams? Yes, he was. Uh, and I think some other teams, too. Maybe the Falcons. Were. Uh, I would say that Bruce Smith is in a in a showdown, in a real close, close matchup okay. if you really want to go by greatest football player to wore 78. Because somebody else wore 78, who really until about the last five years was the consensus. Like, you know how Jerry Rice is the consensus best wide receiver of all time? Yep. Until about five or seven years ago, Anthony Munoz was considered the greatest offensive lineman, the greatest left tackle, the tackle position that everybody talks about the blind side and everything. All of the all of the guys, the Johnny come lately's like Walter Jones and Jonathan Ogden yeah. and all of these guys Orlando Pace, they're all great Hall of Fame players, but the prototype was always Anthony Munoz, 13
1: seasons with the Bengals. Do yourself a favor and don't Google what his hands look like these days. He has a finger that's so deformed it's hard to look at. Have you seen it? it just, no. Oh my God! I don't oh, know I, why he can't get that it, fixed.
0: Does is it like a right angle? Does it go the wrong uh, way, or what does it do?
1: Yeah, everything you just said. It's horrendous. But I was watching that NFL Greatest 100. I may have told you, but Chris Collins were said of all these players on this board. His, if he had a draft, his first pick would be Anthony Munoz. Oh, of course. Well, he was his teammate too. I understand, but yeah. not not his first offensive line pick. No, no, no. He's talking overall yeah. everybody. Well, That's I mean, well, how well. Think about it this is. way: if
0: you if you if you walk with me on the fact that he was the consensus greatest t- offensive lineman in everybody's mind, well, then I would ask you: how many guys are there at positions in all of sport? How many guys? You wouldn't you can do that a quarterback. There's not a consensus greatest about Brady would get some votes, yep. Montana would get some votes, you wouldn't be able to do it with running back, you wouldn't be able to do it with it. Hardly any position. That's You'd true. be able to do it with wide receiver. I think everybody would say Jerry Rice. Yep. And until at least recently, and maybe still, everybody would say. So that speaks that speaks as loud as you want. I mean, yeah. there's very few people in sports history that Kind of stand alone, and 100 out of 100 people would say that's the standard right there. And he's he may be one of those
1: guys. He played shortstop, I think, in college too, shockingly. He, no. He played baseball at USC. He's like this phenomenal oh, I didn't know, athlete. I didn't,
0: I didn't know. You know a lot about Anthony Munoz. Did well, I, you know that would, that's where I was going with that? Would, and you still wanted Bruce Smith over at <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> th- I forgot <laughs> about Anthony, Anthony Munoz. Munoz. He, he talks slower than I do. Yeah, you wouldn't say it to Bruce Smith, though, to no, his face, would no. you? <laughs> he's a big boy. No. <laughs> Virginia Tech? Is was, it Virginia
0: Tech? Yeah. I yeah, I think so. that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think he was a hokey
0: all right, I, I got all these things that I want to talk to you about. It's, it's a number of different things, and then we'll get to the four interviews, and we'll come back and do our other stuff segment,
1: Athletes of the Week and naming Some the Some Super Bowl goes. hangover stuff still. What's
0: the story, Dory? What's the story? Are you guys in trouble? Is your 10-year-old... <laughs> it's insane. Your 10-year-old daughter's basketball team? I, I want to start you off by telling, you that, telling people that I got this text that there has been a, a formal investigation... There's been two actually, open from what I've heard. Two There's have two, been yeah. open to get because your your ten year old daughter's team is too good. They're winning by two They're winning seventy eight to two and turning off of, turning off uh, scoreboards, which gets you mad. You that's don't want right. the scoreboards. Re- turn, what, what's the story?
1: Yeah, so I heard that they they're investigated for bringing a bunch of kids in who don't live in the Issaquah area where my daughter plays. That's what uh, that's what other other teams think. Uh, he went out. And, you're not supposed
0: to do that. He it's thinks a, so it's supposed to be just area. That's right. Where you would go to the high school, right? So, now, yes. high, right? so
1: there are some exceptions. Like my daughter lives in Snoqualmie, but goes to an Issaquah school, so she wants to play with her friends, and she gets a waiver for that. Oh. So there are some exceptions. Ooh. The coach's daughter sounds like lives, an end around. Uh, the co- a little bit around. But the funny part is, there's only one kid who didn't play for Issaquah last year, and that's coach's daughter, who's on the team this year. So, but she's really good, <laughs> which doesn't hurt. Yeah, and she lives
0: in uh, French Lick, Indiana.
1: Yeah, she it's uh, uh, from French Lick, Indiana. It right? was Zimbabwe last year, but now it's French Lick. Why
0: do then? So there's no truth to any of these things. Why do they? Why do other teams suspect that you guys are? fighting? I can tell you that on the boys' side, in my my son's my son's 14, and he's been playing in these select teams for years and years and years, and always the sta- the gold standard in the area of the kind of school select teams mm-hmm. was always Pualop. Oh really? Interesting. Yeah. And Puyallup has been essentially tossed for that very reason. They are now no longer in the league because they were doing that. This is what I hear, and I'm I'm a little reluctant because I don't have. I mean, I've I've heard it from ten different people right. that apparently, where well, they're not on our schedule anymore, that you don't, they don't appear in the league. Hmm. Apparently, maybe there was some funny stuff. There was some kids coming in from like, I don't know, Los Angeles. Playing for the Puyallup team. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. So I've, I've heard of this before. There's so. only so many Hewards, right? <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> Jesus. God. They and can't none play. of them live in Puyallup anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
0: Even though they, they, they shop at the one Puyallup car dealership.
1: So I, I think the fishy thing is that my daughter's team in fourth grade went like 500. Like they were just a 500 team. And then they got great. Great. Overnight. Like they happened to lose on Sunday. First loss since November 3rd, 2019. Like They went like three months or so without losing. They're, they're very good, and they just blow people out. And they lost to the arch rival who was... Who's allegedly investigating oh them. My so now God. they don't have to investigate. You're, not... you, you can beat us. Did <laughs> you guys take a dive just yeah. to get them off your back, or what happened? Well, we've already beaten them three times this year. Oh, I so you'd bring that up. This is the fourth. It's like, you know...
0: So what's the truth? You're <laughs> not going to sit here and tell me that you guys got 10-year-old girls on this team that don't live in the area.
1: Of course not. Absolutely silly. The only, like I said, the only player who's new to the team is coach's daughter. Yeah, that's the only and she one. She averages and he lives in the Issaquah. Area. Twenty a game. That's right. Yeah, she's really good. <laughs> but you know, they these this, these girls played together all year in AAU. They stuck together. They've played a lot of basketball. They've worked hard, and they added coach's daughter to that mix. And yeah, they're they're better than everyone. I don't know. It's like diminishes and their no hard work. There's chance
0: that this girl who's the coach's daughter is not like really LeBron's daughter. Well, she might be. <laughs> she's
1: pretty good. I mean, she had three dunks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <it. laughs> She's fifth grade. Did you
0: watch any of the XFL oh. Seattle Dragons? Is it on your list to talk about? I saw no XFL football. I gave it to Cold Shoulder. On purpose? No, nah, not on purpose. Wasn't really interested running around to, you know, you know what I do every weekend. I run around to 14-year-olds to basketball games so that I can watch my son not play because he's recuperating from that uh, that foot injury. So I watch him high five people. I run... Run to Auburn. I run to Renton. Oh, I run yeah. up to Bothell. I run to I run to Woodenville just so I can watch my son kind of high five and put his hand in the uh, in the stack when they
1: go one, two, three. Huh. Yeah, money well uh, spent on the season, right? Yeah, it's really.
0: And, and by the way, then they charge me admission at the door on top. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Just to, yeah. it, that's like just <laughs> spitting on the the guy that's yep. got, got the living daylights beaten out of him in the. And he's left for, for dead in the alley. Yeah. Some girl comes by and kicks him in the, you know. Yeah. This, just one last one is, <laughs> yes, sir, that'll be $7.
1: it's $7, isn't it? <laughs> you take cash or, I mean, you take cards? I'm no. Like, Check, no. How about a senior
0: citizen discount? <laughs> yeah, something. I'm a senior citizen whose son's not really playing. He's kind of playing, but not. Okay, so what, uh, what happened with the Dragons?
1: Well the, uh, the, well, the Dragons lost. I know that. Jim yeah. Zorn was mic'd up. yeah. I mean, he is he he's, on
0: is he on thin ice now? Is this- <laughs> yeah,
1: so, they, they actually they lost to a Washington D.C. team. I forgot what it's called. And somebody tweeted out something funny. Jim Zorn, uh, uh, I can't remember. something about helping D.C. teams still- lose, or something. he's still taking crap for his Redskins. Well, I told but- you
0: that he didn't know the colors of the Redskins. Yeah, yeah. at his opening press conference when he was given millions and millions of dollars to coach him, he yeah. didn't know burgundy and gold. He called him like. Maroon and mustard yellow or something. Those uh,
1: those McDonald's colors are nice. He he was mic'd up at one point. He's the, by the way, perfect guy to mic up because he's never said anything more profane than darn it. I mean, he's like just kind of a... Yeah, he is. You know.
0: And he's a different thinker because he's a left-hander.
1: He's different, He's different. Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy, though, on the, the lower third graphic, they have the spread up there. That's kind of cool, huh? They have the spread and they have the over-under. Yeah. So they're like embracing gambling Of, of course culture. they are.
0: They're trying to do things differently. Is Vince McMahon still the force behind this or I, is he gone? I is wasn't gone sure, out. but he- is he, twe- alive? He's alive, right? is he alive?
1: He's alive, right? Of course he's alive. Have you seen? He's huge and no, buff. And,
0: no, I don't know. No, but he tweeted it.
1: out like the XFL follow. is back. So I think he's still involved.
0: Is this thing going to last? What's the over-under? The AA. What was it? The American Alliance for Football, whatever it was that Rick Neuheisel was the coach in. Oh yeah, that folded. They stopped. They up, stopped sending paychecks right. out right in the middle of the year. It was over. I think this might have a little more. Five hundred million dollars. He put five hundred million dollars in or He got financing of five hundred. Mm-hmm. It started with five hundred million dollars. So what do you think? Is anybody was anybody at the stadium? where they empty? Was the stadium empty on TV, or didn't you notice? Well,
1: I can tell you that the uh, the through the first two games, the average attendance was seventeen thousand four hundred and eighty nine. And somebody on Twitter said the Pirates' home attendance was about eighteen thousand. So these guys are getting as was much. Was it good as... football? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean it's it's football. I mean a lot of the, they're all D one guys. You know they can all it, it's like a it's like a college all star game kind of unless you're not good enough to make it into the NFL. But you know the starting quarterbacks from Georgia and yeah. you know it's. It's good football. It's Yeah, it's good. I, I think the thing they're, they're doing is it's, it doesn't have that hokey feel that the first XFL had. Remember, right. they were really focusing on this isn't your, your, your grandpa's NFL. We right. do things, you know, chair over but the they, head.
0: But they are doing things to kind of revolutionize the sport. They're moving it fast. How long did the game take to play, would you say? Two
1: hours? Yeah, I think it was around two hours. Was, I don't know for sure. Game, but, like, like
0: Russell Wilson would never get a playoff.
1: Yeah, he, would right. get, he, would get, he would get a delay a game every single play right so the kickoffs were pretty cool and
0: oh, had, i saw that now I, I i didn't see it on tv but i saw something on the computer that said the kicker stands way back here and the lines are way uh, I, I, I i yeah yeah oh, so God. essentially the, yeah.
1: the return team is on its own 30 the kickoff team is on the 35 just five yards apart yeah they're just trying to avoid those full speed collisions that you get on kickoffs right so the guy Kicks it from way back, and you can't go until the until the guy who uh, the, the receiver catches it. As soon as the kick returner catches it, yeah. then you can go. And it's actually kind of a cool idea because then you don't get those big full trick
0: plays. I read where a trick play may have uh, done the Seattle Dragons in in their first game. Didn't was there a reverse or some sort of flea flicker that Washington threw at them? Yeah,
1: I, I was in and out on yeah, it. you weren't really paying attention. I didn't see every play, but I, I enjoyed yeah. what I saw. I thought it, it was it's fun. Not gonna last? You don't think so? No, I saw, none like, of them last. Well, it was none of them last. I know this. You're right. None of them last. But they're not trying I'd to go s- up against the NFL, which they have going for them, first of all. Right.
0: Well, there's been a lot of fledgling leagues all that right. didn't want to go the AAFL or whatever, American Alliance of Football, whatever that was that didn't go up against the NFL.
1: Yeah, this just felt a little more big not time last. I mean, during the during the, um, not the, last. the replay analysis, there's a camera in there and you listen to what they're saying while they're discussing it.
0: It would be a huge shocker. I did speak to my friend. I don't know if he, that I've introduced you to him. I spoke to Mr. XFL postseason. Oh, okay. Wow. And he, and he tells me that if the season ended today, which yeah. it doesn't and it's stupid to even talk about, sorry, right. you. that the Seattle Dragons are uh, be picking number one in the upcoming XFL draft <laughs> or what, what have you.
1: Hopefully I'll be in that draft coming <laughs> up. I mean, I, I might be the first pick. God's sake. I think the coach's daughter is going to be the first pick
0: in the uh, the upcoming draft.
1: It was fun seeing Greg Olson call a game, though. I was like, Greg Olson? Oh, he was, on, oh, he should, was, uh, he was already here. He was here this week. Shouldn't you be lifting or working out or... Something, but yeah, you want Greg Olson on the Seahawks while you're on the top? No, I'll pass. pass. I think I'm gonna pass, yeah, and maybe find a 24 year old instead of a
0: 34 year old. I'd like to start after we're finished now with the XFL. I'd like to talk to you about what I believe now, and I've been thinking about this long and hard for about 48 hours. I believe I have come across, and it's not me because I think a lot of people know it, you may have heard it, the greatest statistic. You know, sports is statistics and I'm a big numbers person and sports is about numbers and statistics and records. And I think the statistic that was making the rounds over the weekend, the greatest sports statistic, the most incredible to think about sports statistic that I've ever heard, individual or team. Wow, that's something I came across and you probably have heard it and maybe thought about it, maybe didn't think about it. Did you know that there was a renewal of the rivalry on Saturday? What's the greatest rivalry in college basketball? Well, I would say Duke, North Carolina uh, by by a landslide. Yeah. And I, I would think that when you talk about sports rivalries, you would talk Red Sox, Yankees, right? Yeah. Celtics, Lakers back in the day anyway. Uh,
1: Alabama, right, Auburn, maybe Alabama, in college football
0: but right in there, yeah. right in the conversation would be Mike Krzyzewski against Dean Smith, let's say yep. before Dean Smith passed away or left North Carolina. Did you see the stat that was making the rounds about Duke, North Carolina? I did not. I missed it. Okay, you t- I'm going to tell you a stat, and I would think that the, 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 the judge and the jury of whether this stat is the greatest stat you've ever heard will be, is it almost impossible to believe? Okay. Because I believe it's almost impossible to believe, but I'm going to tell you a stat that's true. On Saturday, when North Carolina and Duke played... It was the 101st meeting since 1979, going back to 1979. So there were 100 games played between the two teams, exactly 100 games since 1979. Okay. How many had Duke won and <laughs> how many had North Carolina won?
1: I mean, I think I know where you're going if it's the most unbelievable thing ever. 50 and 50. I haven't even gotten there yet. 50 and 50. That's
0: just part of it. Somebody went and, and combined all the final scores in the 100 matchups going into Saturday night's game between Duke and North Carolina. Duke had scored 7,746 points in the 100 games and North Carolina had scored 7,746 points. The exact I can't be sa- right. unbelievable. The exact same amount of points. 50-50, wow. the exact is to the point, okay? And then just if that were not enough, and I, and I, by the way, I'm not, I don't think I'm dealing in hyperbole. now. So, and I'm sure that people will email, hey, Mitch, this is a better stat. How about this one? How about that one? How about this one? Unless you're going to give me the 72 Dolphins. I'm just going to hit delete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if that wasn't enough, here you had what people were calling w- the most lopsided looking at preview of the game, The most lopsided edition of this game ever in the 100. A North Carolina team that was two games under 500 and not going to the tournament. And Duke, one of the best teams in the country. So very rarely, if ever, have they had a lopsided version of this game. Yeah. Score at the end of regulation, 84-84. Amazing. So score at the end of regulation was... 7,830 to 7,830 after, after 100 games and the 101st was tied going into overtime. 50 and 50, same points, 50, 101st going. Come on.
1: It's amazing. H- how is it possible yeah. that there is a better, a better sports statistic than that? It's- come on. I just think of the person who did this on their own. Like I'm going to add, because if I would have done it, I would have gone. Oh, Duke scored a thousand more points. There you go. It would have been a complete waste of time. You imagine the person who did it. Like, are you have to? Be, you got to be kidding me.
0: You had to do it like three more times. Right. To you make wouldn't sure believe
1: do. it's right. Yeah, that's crazy. And then it was a last second shot, right? To, and then to it was win. a la-
0: so as of as of the way we sit it now, they're going to play again in a couple of weeks. But as a and if you're a betting man, maybe you would pick North Carolina win by two because that'll be the hundred second and that would tie it up again <laughs> right now. Duke has won 51, North Carolina 50, and Duke has scored two more points in those 101 games. I don't know how that's possible.
1: Absolutely amazing.
0: Greatest stat in the yeah. history of of college and professional
1: sports. It really is. That's amazing. You,
0: I, have, you have one last one before we do our, uh, our, uh, our interviews, or do you want me to, uh, you want to talk about Bobby Knight? You were asking me before we started the recording. You were actually sitting around when I did the interview with Zach Osterman of the, Indianapolis star. I don't know if you could hear it through your headsets a little, little bit, bit about what he was saying about being yeah. there. Did you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that, Bobby Knight?
1: because when I saw the story, I know you're a huge college basketball fan. I would huge. love to know what you think about it. He is a polarizing, complicated he is, he figure, is, but no, no, he seemed I, to be well-received there. So
0: I would say, well, come on. You're, old, you're talking like you don't remember Bobby Knight. You remember Bobby Knight. I do, yes. I would say, and again, I'm not dealing in hyperbole, I would say that if you said to me, Mitch, really think about this. Give me the 5 or 10 most intriguing sports figures of your sports fan lifetime. So let's say my I'm 52 years old. I was born in 1967. So what do you want to start at? 8? Is that about yeah, the, yeah. To, uh, good for all of us? 10? Yeah, 8, 9, 10. Okay, so we start at 10. I, that's 1977, right? So that's 42 years. If you said to me, Mitch, I want you for the patron show on Thursday when we do a, do this all over again for patrons, I want you to write down... The five people, male or female athletes or coaches or any owners or whatever that you are, that you would sit down and read about before anybody else who would real who really, really intrigued you for whatever reason. Not that you were necessarily a fan. Right. Because, you know, that would be Dan Marino and, and Dan know, Marino. Dale Murphy. Larry Zonka. And Don Shulin, Larry Zonka. Nick Bonacani. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rest uh, in peace. Norm, Norm Evans. And uh, <laughs> we can go through the whole Bob Reese here. Mark Reece Duper. Or, Mark or, Clayton. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, AJ
0: Dewey. I'm not sure I would come up with a guy that I'm more fascinated by hmm. in a good way and a negative way than Bobby Knight.
1: People are saying, well, nah, you're just saying that, he, but do you really believe that? Do I really believe that? Yeah, I mean, I have always
0: else. been fascinated by Bobby Knight because I, I suppose that basketball is kind of a slight lean towards my favorite sport. I, yeah. I mean, I've always been a basketball guy. I mean, I love golf, football, baseball. I love baseball. Maybe it's not the case, but. You'll hear the guy say in, our, in this segment, the guy who covers him, he's young and he's not even from Indianapolis, he covers him. There, 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 is, a, there is a debate to be made. You, maybe you heard it earlier, to be made to be that he's one of the greatest all-time coaches in any sport in the history of sports, college or pro. I mean, just an absolute, there, there's just, it's undeniable what this guy was, yeah. a savant on, on the basketball court. And yet, all of this other stuff, and you and I would tell you that if, if, if all this other stuff didn't exist, he wouldn't be in my top five. You know, the choking of the player, the, 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 the physical altercations, the bigoted comments, yeah. the, the whip thing, the, was the, the, with the, a the whip? bullwhip thing, yeah, the throwing a plan at a secretary. I mean, he did some things and said chair. some things, just nastiness. Yeah. I mean, just, and, and look, I'm, I'm real careful at this stage of my life to judge somebody on their worst moment. Bobby Knight had fifteen worst moments. <laughs> right, I mean, just terrible, terrible yeah. things that he said and did. And what I didn't say to the, I hope everybody listened to the interview. What I didn't say to to that person, uh, Osterman, who I interviewed about about what it was like to have him back on Saturday, was that, you know, it feels to me like just from being in my life in my shoes the last couple of years that, you know, the The nation and the sports nation and just Americans and and people have a propensity to forgive. Don't you think? Ultimately, to give second chances and to, you know, to soften on people. Yeah. I, I guess I would say, I guess I would say it this way. I I gather that people are a forgiving group for the most part. I'm sure there are other people that are not. And especially towards somebody who's aging, who might show contrition, who might demonstrate a human layer uh, that's willing to admit flaws and the error of our ways. Uh, And yet, Bobby Knight, even to this moment, I don't ever remember ever hearing himself say, God, I was an idiot when I did that. God, I wish I hadn't done that. No, Boy, no. I'm sorry. i He's 79 <laughs> years old, and he did all of these things and said all these things and was nasty and mean-spirited and did things. And I'm telling you, it feels like the guy that I watched on Saturday walk out and hardly be able to walk out to half court. Yeah. He he looks like a guy who still thinks everything he's ever done was the right thing, and it would he has no regrets on anything. And that's where it becomes really difficult to put your arms around this old man. Yeah. Because most people, at some point in their life, have a softness about them. They look in the mirror and they say, God, I effed up. I was a different guy I, back I then. Screwed, I screwed yeah. up, man. God, I wish I could have done that over. I wish I hadn't done that. Or I wish I hadn't said that. And you've never once heard that from him,
1: right? Correct. I mean, didn't you You talking about the Dan Patrick interview. What did he say about the, the people at... In Indiana, I mean... Yeah,
0: that, he says, what about the administrators? I hope they're all dead.
1: <laughs> that wasn't that long ago, right? And then, I mean,
0: and then and then, Patrick said something... Yeah, a few years ago, Patrick yeah. said something like, well, a lot of them are. There's only a few left. Well, I hope they die too.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's all you have to know, I guess. But, but
0: no, but there's more to that. There's the choking of the player. There's the throwing of the chair. Yep. There's the comments about... Uh, immigrant I mean I, I I mean you can go on on you got to look at the there's a there's a litany of, I'm sure of of things that he did that was you know far worse than disliking his former bosses I mean a
1: lot of us disliked our former bosses right Fair enough but he wasn't showing contrition was the point I was making? right like he, he just
0: didn't. never once said I would have loved to have seen I think the world a college basketball world sports world would have loved to hear him once say on any of these things God, that whole Neil Reed thing when I grabbed the guy by the neck. Or, oh God, what I did in the quad when I ran into that fan who gave me a. Oh, that's yeah. Just awful. Why did I do that? That's all we want. I, I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm naive. I, maybe I'm. This is wishful thinking. I think we as a society, especially when it's an older guy, seventy nine years old, we're willing to forgive and forget a lot if you just come out and tell us, hey, you wish that it hadn't happened. Give us a reason, yeah. to to give you a second chance or to, to, to put our arms around you he just hasn't done it
1: we've talked a lot about kobe lately and you know there's a guy who hasn't been perfect in and his I life think we're
0: going to talk about that didn't you have that on your list of talking about isn't it is there something with gail gail king oprah's yeah. buddy i want
1: to discuss that in the last segment yeah the, but there's the a guy segment. who said i'm sorry i wish i could go back you know he was contrite and we've all sort of wrapped our arms around him and said yeah we understand right yeah that's what you're talking about kobe kobe was that that guy where Bobby Knight just doesn't have it no, in him. No,
0: I don't know about you'll have to remind me about that because I don't remember Kobe ever
1: saying that. I'm sure. Yeah, he did. He did. He came out and apologized. I wish that night. But could he have never gone but he but he had never
0: admitted wrongdoing. Correct. Never admitted. Which is wrongdoing. It, well that's so he didn't he didn't go oh, he didn't say, Hey, I messed up. It was He m- just said, I wish that night never happened or something.
1: Essentially that, and I'm I, um, I apologize for putting this woman through this. And, you know, it was at least he had some some contrition. Well, let's talk about that in our last segment. I'm ready. Okay.
0: Uh, amongst other things, uh, we've got Athletes of the Week. We've got Anti-Athletes of the Week. Did you see the,
1: did you see the uh, cheerleading I, squads in St. Louis? Awesome. Amazing. <laughs> and I saw, I, had, I mean, that looked like a movie, right? That was like out of a movie. Oh.
0: Like Stomp or something?
1: Yeah, like Bring It On or one Bring of those on. movies. Yeah, 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 the and then I saw ones. the little yeah. baby you tweeted out, too. Another oh, great athlete uh, of the week. Don't, oh. don't, all right, all right. I won't spoil it. Don't
0: blow my thunder.
1: That's and my I, Athlete of the Week right there you're talking about. And I have some Rush Limbaugh update. I said something wrong about him, and I want to make uh, sure I, I clear it up. Okay.
0: Hot shot, the great fight trainer, Angelo Dundee, once yelled at Sugar Ray Leonard in his match against Marvin Hagler, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. Well, all of you that refused to call Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage to find out if a refinance makes sense for you and your family, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. Guess who didn't? Steve Dion, the executive producer of Mitch Unfiltered.
2: Yeah, I gave uh, Jordan a buzz in uh, late July, Um, was interested to get a uh, quote on a refi, um, just the way the market has been with with interest rates dropping as they have. Kind of tailored a, a mortgage around my preferences. One of the main parts that was appealing was the fact that he was able to cut out my mortgage insurance. I uh, bought that out completely. Um, really consolidated the loan into one clean monthly payment, amortized over a shorter time horizon and at a lower rate. Really easy process. You know, I'm working with Jordan and Christina there. Not not bad for a Coog, you know. I <laughs> I was uh hesitant to put my uh put my dollars and cents into uh the hands of a a Wazoo grad, but you know, it all turned out, t- turned out well th- thus far.
0: From beginning to end, Steve, how long did it take? Took about a month total. How long was the first phone conversation until you determined what you could save per month? It's about a 15-minute call. When you include the mortgage insurance, how much less are you paying per month now on a percentage basis thanks to the refi with the Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage?
2: I'm paying about 8 to 10% less a month on top of that, uh, we'll be paying for five less years. So it's kind of a win-win on both, both sides.
0: So my line on the podcast that you're crazy not to call the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage with the low interest rates at the moment, just to find out what you can be saving in a refinance is on point.
2: Well, it, it's valid unless you want to spend more money every <laughs> month. <I> mean... <laughs> oh, and Mitch, one last thing. Where's my tumbler?
0: <laughs> there it is. Stop standing on the sidelines. Guild Mortgage and the Kirkland office at 425-250-3150. You could start saving big time today.
3: Unfiltered.
4: I lean to the Chiefs just because of the quarterback discrepancy. And as great as the San Francisco defense is, I mean, the Chiefs are scoring 24 to 34 points. Like, they, just, depending on turnovers, they just are. Like, you could have a great day, and, and you're keeping them to 24.
1: Mahomes throws, pass, caught, Williams, touchdown! Kansas City jumps on top It's Williams, makes a cut to the end zone for the touchdown no flags
3: how many players have
1: come
5: and gone great players great coaches for the Chiefs that have not been able to taste
3: this moment this is picked Kendall Fuller up to get it and that will end this game
0: so the NFL season is in the books and Fireside Home Solutions brings you another Chad with our NFL insider and CBS NFL insider, Jason Lockenfor. And don't forget to begin your search for a brand new, efficient fireplace with Fireside Home Solutions at firesidehomesolutions.com. Jason, thanks for being back with us to kind of wrap it all up. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Kyle Shanahan didn't have his best night. And Andy Reid, we're all rooting for him. He can now sleep easy with his Super Bowl title and a trip to the Hall of Fame, right?
4: Yeah, excuse me. I mean, I, I think he was surefire Hall of Famer. Should have been, you know, a, a walk in guy before that game was played. But certainly now, I don't know what the the counter arguments to Andy Reid Hall of Famer are. There, there really are none. Uh, yeah, it was a good game. You know, I don't, I don't know if it was, you know, an all time great. Certainly, it had uh, a lot of compelling and great things that happened within it, including that twenty one point explosion by Mahomes and the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. Kyle certainly did play a role in it, no doubt about it. He's not the reason they lost, but he's a reason they lost. But I think the better team won. And I I don't remember the last time we talked, but but basically my theory going into that game was San Francisco better play that game like they're going to have to score 30 to win. Even with that defense, even if you hold – Uh, Mahomes down for a period of time he will have another period of time in which he's unstoppable maybe it lasts two drives maybe it lasts four drives but it's going to happen and when it does, you better have enough points to weather the storm. And from early in the game, the first scoring drive for the 49ers, where they settled for three, it's third and five. I'm sitting there with my boy Prisco, and I'm like, Kyle should run it twice here. Like, th- th- he needs this first down. He doesn't need these three points. He needs, he needs a touchdown. And they played for three, and they didn't get enough volume in the run game. And I, I'm sorry, that's on him. And the stuff at the end of the first half was just – I mean, that's not Monday morning quarterbacking. In real time, everybody in the press box was like, what the bleep is this guy doing? The whole
0: world. You had one guy on one sideline going for it on fourth down twice – Early in the game. And then you had another guy on the other sideline who's an offensive coach, actually not calling timeout with the punt team on the field, not conserving time, not trying to score really at the end of the first half. The differences were incredible between those two sidelines.
4: Yeah, it was stark. You know, everybody says Andy Reid throws too much and he gets out of whack. Well, it was eight rushes to nine passes after one quarter, and I think it was like 17 rushes to 19 passes after three. Now, obviously, in the fourth quarter, you had to be throwing all over the place. But I thought Andy Reid managed the game expertly. I thought, again, uh, Kyle Shanahan was his own worst enemy. You had the drive that ended with the Ustrek touchdown where they were gashing him 11 yards outside on the ground, 16, 17, 24. You never saw him stick with the run like that again the rest of the game, even with a 10-point lead. And I get it. He didn't have a lot of plays, period, to play with. But it was kind of like, you know, pass, run, pass, run, pass, run. I don't think they ran the ball three times in a row again the rest of the game.
0: You did a column called The First Order of Business for Every Team, and I'll, I'll read to our listeners what you wrote at CBSSports.com about our Seahawks. May Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer take a blood vow to let Russell Wilson cook in 2020, make a solemn promise to get out of his way and to run the offense through his arm and legs. You'll thank me later. That's, uh, that's Jason for. Imagine if Shoddy called the game the way Andy Reid calls the game In Kansas City, it's a
4: totally different football team. I mean, you're talking about a completely different dynamic, completely different ethos. Yeah, wouldn't it be? (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice? You know, look, I I don't know how much leopards change their spots, and I throw a lot of darts at Schottenheimer, but let's be real. I I think he's he's in many ways doing what he knows the head coach wants him to do. You know, Pete, like a lot of defensive coaches, he's fairly conservative. When it comes to game flow and game management and fairly set in his ways, and there's a certain way of doing things that has served him incredibly well in college and the pro level. But, boy, he's such a good quarterback, and, and I just feel like there's so much more they could do with him.
0: You think that Jadeveon Clowney's going to get a huge contract somewhere? Huge?
4: <sighs> huge? like. Not going to make twenty million dollars a year, you, you know. Think? He doesn't rush the passer enough. I don't think. I don't think Ooh. he rushes the passer enough Ooh, to be getting yeah. twenty a year, mid-teens to high-teens. I mean, the real key. I mean, what, what really will it be? Is it really a two-year deal? You know what I mean? Or is it really a three-year deal that bleeds into year four? The structure, I, I think, will tell the story. And given you know the injuries and and going back to college, I, I'm just not. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't think this is. Von Miller, you know what I mean? Resetting the market when he gets his extension from the Broncos. I don't think this is Khalil Mack resetting the market as part of a trade to the Bears. The open market can can do crazy things. I, I will certainly allow for that. It only takes one team. I will certainly allow for that. But I, I don't know that, that this is going to be a game-changing contract. May, maybe I'm naive.
0: Well, game-changing and less than $20 million are two different things. I would just say to you that the sack numbers are a little deceiving as somebody who watched him every play he did get he did get a lot of heat he did get more heat on the quarterback than anybody on that Seahawks defense even though the sack numbers are down he obviously plays the run better than anybody at his position i i would expect at this stage of his career that he would get 20 or more million a year maybe you're right i kind of i kind of hope you're right because that would i i guess increase the chances that the Seahawks could retain him right yeah uh, absolutely. I mean, some of it will depend on how, much,
4: how some of these other situations play out, who hits the market, who doesn't, um, who gets tagged, who doesn't. It, there's never much pass rush to go around. We know that much. So, and, and, again, it only takes one team. Maybe, maybe somebody's willing to give him, I don't know, $75 million for three with two years guaranteed. Uh, maybe, maybe he crosses it. I'm not positive.
0: You did an interesting uh, piece at CBSSports.com on the Derrick Henry monster year and how Tennessee would be making a huge mistake by falling into the the David Johnson slash Todd Gurley trap of shelling out huge dollars. You just don't do that for a running back these days. Do you get the sense that they will follow your advice or not follow your advice?
4: The fact that they could use a franchise and a transition tag as long as we don't get a new CBA here in the next six weeks would well, I think probably save them from themselves. I don't know why you wouldn't just go ahead and do that and then see what comes of that. Does the, or people knocking down your door for him or people trying to put together offer sheets for him. Or, you know, can you rent him for another year and then see where you're at? I love everything about him. It's not a knock on him in any way, shape, or form. But I'm not, I'm not locking in $50 million in guarantees with a running back, any right. running back in this day and age. That's just the reality. And especially one like him who has such a bruising style, who's so upright, who takes on and absorbs and, and, and really begs for so much contact. And who isn't – I mean, every once in a while he'll take a screen pass, you know what I mean, and rumble 80 yards. But, but he's not a guy who's going to consistently be really helping you win in the passing game. So I, I would – I would say buyer beware. But again, that's more a statement on the, the, the nature of the game today than it is anything, you know, negative about Derrick Henry. He's a tremendous human being. I have great admiration and respect for how he plays the game, but I also don't want I don't want to pay fifteen million dollars a year for it.
0: How are the Cardinals regretting the Johnson deal? Absolutely incredible, right? They got no, Ke- they got Kenyon I, Drake, who's who's beat him out for the job. Yeah. They don't even well, they don't have any just, need for David Johnson. No, but they're stuck with him. I
4: mean, five five point one of that ten million was already fully guaranteed, and the rest, the other half, was guaranteed for injury, and it's about to become guaranteed across the board. Like, who's taking that off their hands? Nobody. I mean, the Rams want to trade Todd Gurley. That's that's great. You know, I want to. You know. I want to trade my backyard for Fenway Park. Do you think that's a fair – I mean, you think I can do that?
6: <laughs> yeah, like, I do. I think
4: you yeah, got – You I, know what I mean? I want to trade the <laughs> dilapidated ivy on the back of my fence for the the ivy at Wrigley Field. Let's, let's, let's broker that. I mean, it's great to want things. They're stuck with him. You just go around – Jarek McKinnon. You know, he's one of the five highest-paid running backs in the league. He's never played a snap for the 49 ish you know?
6: Yeah.
4: Um, they got Mostert, Guy who's been around a quarter of the league. Yeah. He keyed their running game in the playoffs. Yeah. Damien Williams. Yeah. Undrafted guy. Yeah. Dolphins didn't need him. Yeah. He, to me, he was the MVP of the Super Bowl. He was. I mean – He was. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it's, it's, all, it's all there. I mean, just pay attention to the warning signs. I, I – you know, if Derrick Henry wants to do a two-year deal –
0: Great. But that would be the extent of it for me. You still want Fenway Park in your backyard without Mookie? <laughs> no, no. I don't know. Is that even a trade anymore? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know <laughs> what the hell's going on there. I don't know. The NFL headlines will assuredly be dominated this offseason by the quarterbacks, right? Yes. We've never seen we've never seen a year like this before. So I've got and I probably missing some guys. I've got on my list Brady Breeze, Zach, Tannehill, Rivers, Winston. Bridgewater. Am I missing anybody? Dalton. Dalton. Uh, Mariota. Mar- Newton. Oh, my God. I am missing people.
4: My God. Derek yeah. uh, Carr. Uh, yeah. All right. So. Kobe Brissett,
0: potentially. Oh yeah. there's there, Did you say Philip Rivers? Yeah, I did. I said Philip Rivers. Okay. I didn't miss him. So, you don't have a million minutes left. So, why don't I just go give me a brief thought, an early handicapping thought. On each guy. I'll say the name. You, okay. give, you give me two sentences or whatever you want quickly on each guy. A quick. Let's start with Tom Brady. Go ahead.
4: The Patriots better treat him like any other team would be treating him, which is a once-in-a-lifetime chance to get an audience with the GOAT. Don't rely on past relationships. Don't, don't uh, think there's going to be hometown discounts. Roll out the red carpet for him in the same way that the Chargers would or the Raiders would or whoever else wants to get into it would. Don't do it half-assed. And and at the end of the day, maybe roads lead back to uh, Foxborough, but they're going to take a few twists and turns first.
0: Take a guess.
4: Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's like a 12-team field. I mean, I, the, the two I mentioned plus New England. I, I don't. I don't know that there really is. People writing these reports, 12 teams. Tom Brady. I mean, like, yeah, in a in a vacuum. But nine of those teams, he would want nothing to do with. So.
0: So take a pick: I, I, Chargers, I, Raiders, or Patriots. Take a pick, an early pick. I'll, uh, let, I'll let you. I'll let you change your mind the next time you're on.
4: I'll, I'll say. I mean, I'll say Patriots.
0: Okay, Breeze broadcasting or the
4: Saints? I'm thinking broadcasting at this point. Really? The longer this goes, and the more he talks in a manner about retirement that I've never heard before, I, I he's he's got me starting to believe him. Wow. Zach Prescott. Oh, i What do you mean? I mean, is that even a question? No, it's just gonna... how much of Jerry's money he gets. I mean, it's...
0: <laughs> Ryan Tannehill will stay in Tennessee because they'll franchise yeah, they'll him, right? him. Yeah, they'll tag him. Yeah, Philip Rivers. I think it's the Colts or the Bucks. Colts or the Bucks. Mm-hmm. You have a leader of amongst those two?
4: No, Colts I mean, I think or the, the Bucks. Bucks. Offer more ability, more more weapons on offense, and more ability to light it up. And the Colts offer Frank Reich, who he, who coached him in San Diego. Who he knows really well and who he likes. And it's a dome. It's climate controlled, and they've got a lot of money. that has been burning their pocket for a long time. You could put together a plan okay. to have something other than Ty Hilton, okay. um, and then you know Jack Doyle to throw the ball
0: to. Okay, Jameis Winston. Apparently, it's not the Bucks because you got Rivers potentially going to the Bucks.
4: It could still be Jameis there, but if if, it's, if Jameis is looking for thirty-five million a year, I, I don't think that's in. Uh, in Tampa. Now, they could always just decide to put a non-exclusive franchise tag on them. Tag them at, like, between 27 and 28 and see where that goes. That wouldn't shock me at all. But I don't, I don't see them, those sides, getting a long-term deal done. 30, not, not this offseason.
0: $30 million dollars a year for Jameis Winston?
6: That's
0: what I think you're looking for. It, you want Fenway Park? I I want to be a quarterback. I'd rather have a quarterback than be Fenway Park. In my, if if Jameis Winston is getting thirty million, how much am I worth?
4: Uh, something <laughs> less than that. Okay. Do you have a? I don't know. Wh- I don't know team? what fraction. You know, but it's
0: less than X. Do you have a team for Jameis Winston that you want to early project? I know the Raiders have done some work on him. Yep. You know, I, I don't know. Where it's
4: just such a tough one. Beauty's okay. really in the eye of beholder in that right. one. It's yeah. so. It's so feast or famine. I'm going to be really intrigued to see what his market actually is. Teddy Bridgewater's... If st- he doesn't get tagged.
0: Teddy Bridgewater, the starter in New Orleans when Drew Brees goes to the broadcast booth? Not necessarily.
4: Oh. Depends what kind of commitment they want to make. If if Sean Payton is, intrig- is as intrigued with Taysom Hill as I believe he is, they may not want to go through with the kind of contract it's going to take to secure Teddy Bridgewater this time because the bridge deal's... Um, should use the pun. And the Band-Aid deals are over. I mean, he's he's he can play. He's shown he can play. He's going to go get, you know, real money somewhere to play quarterback. It could be the Chargers. Um, if Brady leaves, I think he'd make a lot of sense in New England. Yeah. He might make sense with Indianapolis. They see him as an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett, depending on if they're able to pedal some of J- uh, Brissett's money and clear a little more room. I don't know that you want to be paying two quarterbacks. What that would take, but I I think Teddy Bridgewater will have uh, several options. Okay. Andy Dalton. I know that Bill Lazor, the offensive Coordinator in Chicago, is a really big fan of his. They worked together in Cincinnati. Dalton did great stuff there. I believe it'll be Andy Dalton and Marcus Mariota pushing Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago next year. Derek Carr. The interesting one to me would be Washington. I know the owner likes, you know, Haskins, and I know they drafted Haskins really high, but Ron Rivera hasn't come close to committing to Haskins. And that Ron Rivera seems inclined to want to try to win a little bit right now. And Jack Del Rio, Ron Rivera's defensive coordinator, uh, went to the playoffs with Derek Carr. And Derek Carr was, you know, a legit MVP candidate that year. It's a real team friendly contract. You could rent him for a year. He does a good job. You still believe in Haskins. You flip Carr for more than it took you. To get him, you know, he, could he make sense in Indianapolis as well? Sure, you know, you can make the case for him in a few teams, but I know that John uh, John Gruden is looking to upgrade off Derek Carr if he can, and if he thinks that exists via trade or via free agency or via the draft, he will not be shy about exploring it. Mitch Levy, I think you're 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 Seattle for life, aren't you? <laughs> You're you're Mr Two O Six. Where are you going, man? You got your what is it? Brick whatever giving you what is what is the, the home the home furnishings or the hearth or whatever. You got your craft beer and your pizza, your family, your M, your twelves. Where the hell are you going? You're not going nowhere.
0: You're the best Jason Lockin' for you. you. need to read them all off season and follow them, obviously on Twitter, cbsports.com. Always been great to me. The radio show, the podcast. Can't wait to visit with you again. Again, thanks for doing it, Jason.
4: Always my pleasure, buddy. Have a great weekend.
0: Jason Lockenfora, CBS NFL insider and my buddy. You know what he thinks. Pete, shoddy, put the game in Russell Wilson's hands from here on in. You know by now that Evergreen Golf Call is a premier wealth manager in the Northwest because you listen. To Mitch Unfiltered, Tyler Hay and his team headquartered right here in Bellevue, south to Portland with offices also in San Francisco and the Napa Valley, growing money in a responsible manner for decades. And now Adam Hay has introduced Evervestment.com, which is an online vehicle for people like you and me to get the same expertise as Evergreen's high wealth clients. I'd like to recommend that you go to Evergreen's website, EvergreenGolfCall.com. That's Evergreen, G-A-V-E-K-A-L.com. And click on new client inquiries. This will take you to the prospective client compatibility survey. No commitment. Just take three minutes to answer 17 questions so that this premier wealth manager can understand the type of investor you are and get a a feel for fit. In other words, Evergreen wants to listen as opposed to saying, here's what we're going to do. And Evergreen Golf Call deeply cares about its Northwest roots, whether it's the Boys and Girls Club or this podcast, Mitch Unfiltered, a charitable pillar in the community, and a major reason why we continue to produce new episodes of Mitch Unfiltered every single week, including this, episode 78. So, check out evervestment.com and evergreengolfcall.com and see what Evergreen can do for you. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Filtered. Release the crack. Episode 78 of Mitch Unfiltered continues. We're going to talk a little bit about hockey. We're going to take Mitch out of his comfort zone for a few minutes here. All things Northwest Hockey is Andy Ide, 710 ESPN Seattle, NHL.com, all-around good guy. Andy, thanks for being on the podcast. My
5: pleasure, Mitch. Thanks for having me on.
0: So, are we all convinced that wall they're going out of their way and saying hey this isn't true these rumors it's all speculation everybody <laughs> else is saying except for the organization it's the Seattle and I love to say it the Kraken is it the Kraken or <laughs> is it going to be is it going to
5: be some other name what do you think Andy well it's the big mystery right that everyone seems to want to know that more than anything else about the team uh you know, that, that rumor came out about a week ago now. Uh, a guy in uh, L.A., John Hoven, who covers the L.A. Kings, uh, who is connected. Uh, he, you know, some people call him a blogger, but he does have some connections in the NHL. Came out and said he's hearing that the name has been decided that it's going to be the Kraken. And that everyone ran with that. Every article you've read since then has been based on his report. I'm not so sure the league is, the team has come out and said, not so fast. Don't, don't take that as, as fact. You know, they, they've actually had some fun with it. They put out a tweet that, insinuated it could be a number of names Uh, the latest that we've heard is uh, the team, uh, Katie Townsend who's the the communications person there said that they haven't decided on a name and that they've narrowed it down to five potential names and that they expect uh, sometime in March uh, to announce that So, take that what you will, it could be Kraken I think what I've heard through some secondhand people is that at one point that name was off the table about a year ago, but that it may have been put back on. So Why? there could be some truth to that rumor. Why would it be taken off the table
0: and then put back on? Did one of the other, well, did one the, of the other front runners not, I, I guess there's this lingering thought about this author who's got uh copyright and trademark rights to the, to the sockeye name. Isn't that right?
5: Yes. For her like romantic hockey uh, right. articles or the yes. Seattle sockeyes in her books, um, uh, you know, she's come out and said that she, while she does have that copyright, that trademark, that she doesn't want to stand in the way. So it feels like if they wanted to go with that name, that, that I think both sides wanted that, that that could become a reality. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to give a, a little bit of credit to NHL Seattle. They've kept this uh, as tight a secret as possible. Like they, you know, know, there's been no the legitimate leaks that I've seen or heard. Uh, You know, everyone's asking and some fans are getting upset uh, why they haven't found that out yet. Uh, It's been pretty fascinating how the interest in a team name, uh, it's, you know, you you read any kind of message board. and That's all anybody wants to know. All right. So let's assume
0: that over there in Seattle, Hockey Land, uh, wherever that might be in the offices, they all decided we're throwing our hands up. We're not coming up with an. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna call Andy Ide. <laughs> we're gonna let Andy Ide <laughs> make the final decision. Let him make the final call. What would oh, Andy, man. What would Andy do if you had the If you were thrust with the responsibility, c- coming up with a, what <laughs> that? What that's a lot would, of pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure. What would you do?
5: Yeah, um, you know, I, I I I'm not too passionate about it, but. Uh, I about I'll be happy with whatever name we have a hockey team and that's what I care most about. But I, but the two the two names that I kind of like, yeah, which I don't think are going to happen. But <laughs> I kind of like the Seattle Emeralds or the Seattle Sasquatch to be kind of unique. You don't like the Kraken. It's not that I don't like it. I I just have some other preferences. I wouldn't be upset with the Kraken. I think you can make that work and you can have some fun marketing with it and logos and so forth. Uh, yeah, if, if it was up to me, though, I would pick uh, either Emeralds okay. or Sasquatch. All right. Uh, Andy,
0: 21 months to go or something like that. What do you know about the progress of the arena? What can you tell a guy like me who knows nothing about the brand-new hockey arena down in Queen Anne? What's it going to look like?
5: Well, it's going to be pretty uh, pretty unique. Uh, I, I've been lucky enough to go in there for a couple tours and have seen the progress. And we were most recently in there about a month ago now, maybe three weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, Mitch, you've been to Key Arena many times, yep. the old Key Arena. Yep. And forget everything you know about that because really? it's completely gone everything's gone except the roof uh right now the roof is being suspended by like 70 columns it's, it's like quote-unquote floating in the air it, it's kind of a fantastic uh, engineering feat what they're doing there and what they've done is they've dug down from the old floor of key arena 50 feet or 15 feet excuse me and they've, they've taken out 600,000 cubic yards of dirt And they've expanded the uh, the square footage from 400 to 800,000. So it's going to be a much bigger footprint than they had before, and they're going to be just under 18,000 seats for hockey, uh, which which is much better than what what they could do under the old configuration. And it's going to have better loading docks. Uh, It's going to you know it's going to be all state of the art. Uh, It's costing them a lot. They're they're coming in close to a billion dollars from Oakview Group, who's paying for it. Uh, but it's quite a, it's it's amazing for someone who's been in that old building. You know, it's, it's just kind of I was awestruck going in there just by how different it looks and how much bigger it feels. And that roof hanging above you, 40, yeah. it's like 40 million pounds or something hanging above you being suspended by by columns is it, quite is quite impressive.
0: Andy, dare I ask you the question? Could you close your eyes and visualize an NBA basketball team playing in that very same arena?
5: Yeah, well, that's that's what they, they they're designing it with that in mind. At some point, you know, they they're if you if you talk to them about the plans for the building, they they have the hockey locker rooms. They're going to have a locker room for the Seattle Storm, but they are also when they build it, putting in NBA locker rooms. So they they are anticipating at some point whether it's Oakview Group going after an NBA team or somebody else bringing in an NBA team. That that's their long-term plan is to have both tenants there. What's it going to cost
0: me to go take my family to see a game? Have any idea about that? And where is it going to be
5: relative to the other NHL cities? Well, it's going to cost you a little bit to go. (laughs) Um, Where they are right now, they had 30,000 people make deposits when they did their ticket drive a couple years ago. And uh, they're currently in the process uh, of of contacting – uh, the people who put deposits down for the club seats. So these are the 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 priciest, the yeah. nicest seats, the the ones that come with all the extra things like food and other options. Uh, there's 2,600 of those, and those run from $285 to $355 per per seat per game. And they're looking at you know a, a minimum of three-year commitment if you want those. So you're if you put down for those tickets, you got to be willing to really commit and put down some money. Once they go through all those people and see how many people, uh, and I believe they're going to sell out of those, but the next step, uh, which should be happening any time now, is they'll start contacting people for the rest of the arena, the general seats. Those tickets start at $50 a game and go up. Uh, They also are going to, at some point, uh, closer to when they start playing, I think make single-game tickets available starting at $20. So they do want to have some availability for, for people who already aren't on the deposit list um, and, and have it be somewhat affordable really so a family of four yeah.
0: can get you know upstairs for twenty twenty dollar tickets to go see a an nhl kraken game or whatever they are what is that is that <laughs> can i can i when you get parking and hot dogs and everything can i do it for a couple hundred bucks or no
5: yeah that that's their plan if they don't want to outprice everybody so they do want to make you know i don't know how many they haven't said how many of those tickets are going to be available but there will be some twenty dollar seats available what I
0: liked was a recent article in The Athletic. I don't know if you saw the same article, Andy, about how mm-hmm. diverse in gender and ethnicity the early staff is. I know they only have, what, 50 or 60 people so far. They're going to hire hundreds more uh, like yeah. we haven't seen a- anywhere else in the sport. This is a this is a neat story for Seattle.
5: Yeah, it's something that, that whether they've done it intentionally or they've just gone out and found the best people and not worried about. Uh, about you know uh, what their what their ethnicity or, or what their gender was, uh, they do have a very diverse group there right now, and a couple of them are in, in high profile positions. Cami uh, Granado is one of their first pro scouts, and she 's already out there scouting current NHL players for the expansion draft, and she is the first female uh, pro scout in the NHL now she 's quite an accomplished player in her own right she 's one of the greatest uh, hockey players in u s hockey history she 's based out of Vancouver. Uh, So she's going to a lot of Canucks games and and just watching players, uh, you know, just so they can start getting information on who they want to draft in the expansion draft uh, in 2021. And then another really high profile one is Alexandra Mandricki, who – used to work for the Minnesota Wild, and she is, a, I forget her exact title, it's like Director of Hockey Operations or something like that. So she's, she's leading their analytics group. Uh, you, you may not know that hockey has over the last 10 years has gone through a big analytics uh, no. you know, money puck, no. era for, no. for lack of a better phrase. Really? Uh, much like baseball has. And yeah. so there, there are people coming up with war numbers and all these different ways of looking at stats. And she's one of the leaders and innovators in that field. And they, they were able to get her – as her contract with the Minnesota Wild came up, and they brought her in early, and uh, so she, she's quite a leader, and you know see somebody who down the road could potentially be somebody who, who has a shot at being maybe the first woman general manager in the NHL.
0: Half and half, male-female so far in terms of their employees?
5: Yeah, I'm not sure the exact number, but it's pretty close to that.
0: Tell me about Ron Francis, the GM. I just know the name because he's a former player, but I don't know much about him. There seems to be some debate, Andy, over the job he did in Carolina. Is he a good general manager? Is he a good fit? Did he do a good job in Carolina with the Hurricanes or not so good?
5: Yeah, I think the grade that I would give him for his time in Carolina, which was pretty short, it was just under four-year full seasons as general manager, uh, but I would give him an incomplete Really, And the reason I say that is you know, they didn't make the playoffs this whole time there, which on the surface looks bad, but he kind of had some cap issues, salary cap issues he had to deal with. He undid a lot of that. But you look at the drafts he made, that Carolina team last year, his, the first year without him, went to the conference finals. They made a surprising run. So a lot of those players that are on that team he brought in either through the draft or, or a couple trades. Uh, the, their minor league team won the American Hockey League championship uh, with like all guys that he picked. So I think the jury's still out about just how good of a, a job he did in Carolina because they're, they're just now kind of seeing the benefits of all that, a lot of that. Uh, he knows hockey. He's been a player. Obviously, he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, he's won Stanley Cups as a player. He's been an assistant coach. He's been in the front office. So he's seen the sport of hockey from, from every level that you possibly can. And, and, and the thing that, that when they first hired him, the first thing that came to my mind was, was credibility. He's, he's a respected guy in this business. He's got a lot of credibility. And so they they, they started off really strong there. And they liked him enough to hire him you know, a lot earlier than like Vegas did and right. and, and get him in early. So they're right. going to have a big running start here for their first season. You
0: know, if you're a sports fan like me of a, of some age, and I guess I'm old now, but I remember, <laughs> I you know, when you say expansion teams, I think, you know, Seattle Mariners, Toronto Blue Jays. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as expansion teams. Where I come from, expansion teams in sports absolutely stink for the first many years. And then they yep. do this NHL thing and the Vegas team comes right out of the gate and is a champion. I don't I don't I don't know that I understand <laughs> why. So I guess I should just ask you, will this team stink? Will they change the rules, whatever the rules were, or are they gonna be the same rules in place that will allow Ron Francis and the Seattle team to be good right out of the
5: gate? Well if you look at Older NHL expansion teams—they're right in there with all those other teams you mentioned that they all stunk for the first okay. four years or okay. so. Okay. But what they did—the change that they did for Vegas—is when you when you're handing out seven hundred, seven hundred fifty million dollars to get a team, the NHL said we don't want to hamstring you right out of right out of the gate. Plus, Vegas and Seattle are new markets for for pro hockey. And so, you, you know, you don't want to lose the interest by having a team that struggles right out of the gate for four seasons. So they, they did make the rules, change the rules different where every team has to expose some pretty good players. You, you can't protect everybody. In the old days you could just say, well, here's some three guys at the end of their contracts or their, their careers you could pick. So Vegas did a good job of not only getting guys off the expansion team, but they also made these side deals. They talked to teams who maybe had a, a salary cap issue and, They made an agreement with that team as as somewhat kind of a trade that says, we'll take this guy who's got a big salary, who's eating up your cap, if you then give us this younger prospect. I see. Yeah. They made a number of deals like that. And the the general consensus is the Seattle's going to get the same rules as Vegas has, so the same expansion draft rules are going to apply. There's a consensus out there that the GMs around the league learned from the lesson of Vegas, that Vegas went all the way to the Stanley Cup final in their first year, thanks in large part to these side deals. And that they're not going to do that this year. They're just going to be willing to lose a player. I'm not. I'm not so sure that's the case. If you're a general manager out there and you've got a, you've got a, you're up against it on the salary cap, and you have a chance to maybe give up a younger prospect who hasn't. You know, been on your team very long to get rid of one of those contracts. I think you might be willing to do that to free up space and and in the long run, be able to protect and resign other players. So and, I still think that uh even what Vegas did was shocking, so i don't I don't I wouldn't expect a Stanley Cup run the first year out of the gates for Seattle. Uh, I, I think that though I think that it's reasonable to expect that they'll be in a playoff uh, race yeah. you know to make the playoffs. So but, I think that's a reasonable but expectation. as you
0: Andy, as you describe what Vegas did, which is take on some mm-hmm. contracts. To help relieve the others of the salary cap issues in order to get other players, that almost strikes me as a, okay, we'll be good right away, but that could cause, that may not be a long-term healthy strategy for a brand new expansion team. Will a team like Vegas regret some of the contracts that they took, uh, you know, down the line, or will those contracts expire and it won't even matter?
5: You know, yes and no. So Vegas right now, they've been competitive every year since, and, and they're in playoff position now. They, they, they are up against it on the cap, though, uh, because of some of that. But the other thing they did, so some of the other trades uh, weren't necessarily for a prospect. They also uh, accumulated a lot of draft picks for the entry draft. So I think their plan is, as some of those other players age, they can then bring in these younger prospects to refill some of those spots. And so that, that's how they're going to try and stay competitive. But, yes, that is Vegas This in their third year now are up against the cap. They don't have a lot of cap space. Uh, and so that is going to be something that they're going to have to manage here going forward. So if there is a give and take there, uh, you know, if you, I think Seattle is going to want to probably be competitive right out of the gate. Uh, and so, yeah, they're going to see how they manage that, how they handle that, that draft situation. I hear a very excited man on the other end of the line. Do I have that
0: right? I hear somebody who's so excited that Seattle will have an NHL team. You know, there was a time when I first came to I came to town in 1995 and I can remember this conversation coming up way before the Olympics in Vancouver and all that stuff. And people just were of the opinion in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s that seattle wasn't a good nhl city would never make a good nhl city that it might be good right away but it would just it would just fizzle in terms of the interest here and that somewhere along the line from like 96 97 98 to now 2020 that idea has changed how did it change why yeah, did it, it change in
5: it ha- i think it has i think i think seattle's had a lot of hockey fans i think they've kind of been underground because there hasn't been a team you know a one nhl team that everybody roots for um, but you have had hockey here. You've had the Western Hockey League. There's five teams in the, in the state of Washington. And if you know, I'm talking about like the Seattle Thunderbirds and the Everett Silvertips. If you're not familiar with that level of hockey, uh, it's, it's very high-level hockey. The, the best way to compare it is, is the NCAA football. Like If you go, like tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you from the Thunderbirds' office. This is right now. They're playing a game at 5 o'clock. If you go to watch a game in this league, you're seeing guys who one year from now, two years from now, are going to be in the NHL. So, there's already been hockey fans here. They've been kind of underground. And I think that 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 idea, because I agree with you, I think that was kind of a thought, the prevailing thought. But when they, when this NHL team put that ticket drive out and they, they hit their mark in 12 minutes, they wanted to sell whatever it was, 13,000 deposits, and they hit that in 12 minutes. I think that spoke loud and clear into what the interest level here is for the sport.
0: Great stuff, Andy. It's, uh, it's great to visit with you. Great to meet you over the phone. Andy Ied. all things Northwest Hockey, does does all the local stuff with 710 ESPN, Seattle, NHL.com, and other places. Thank you so much. I, I hope you'll come back on again and catch me because I'm going to be falling backwards, and hopefully you'll, <laughs> you'll catch me in my lack of NHL and hockey knowledge. Thanks so much, Andy. Thanks. Thank you. Anytime. Andy Ied talking about the Seattle Kraken, we think. Anyway, September 2021 will be here before you know it, and the NHL will come to the Pacific Northwest and Seattle. Unbelievable. Yes, the football season is over, but that doesn't mean there aren't great opportunities on the way to watch sports and enjoy great Zeke's pizza, whether at home with delivery straight from Zeke's, not a third-party service, or in one of their 17 fantastic locations, college hoops, the NBA, everything's better with some signature Northwest pizza and a craft beer or two. And you'll be supporting one of the driving forces behind this podcast. And that's important, by the way. Dan Black and the boys have been great to me from back in the radio days to present. In fact, I'll never forget something Dan said to me in 2017, sitting in a window booth at lunch at the Bellevue location. He said, Mitch, we at Zeke's as a company believe in giving opportunities to those going through rough patches. So why wouldn't we be thrilled to be by your side in this venture? It's easy to root for companies like that. So the next time you're ready for some great pizza, make it Zeke's. Download their app or visit Zeke'sPizza.com. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. When my time on earth is gone
4: and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my We are back in assembly
1: hall, the players have been introduced and the moment that the fans have been waiting for About to take place, Bob Knight
6: is returning
0: So episode 78 continues with a remarkable afternoon on Saturday in Bloomington, Indiana, 20 years after being controversially dismissed by the Hoosiers program and saying that he would never, ever go back. He also said he hopes all the administrators there are dead. There he was on Saturday, Bobby Knight, in what looked like declining health, arm-in-arm with some of his former players, joining us on the uh, Zeke's Pizza hotline is uh, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, thank you for being with us. How did this day come to be before I ask you to try to describe what it was like to be in that arena? You know,
7: I think slowly and then all at once is, is I think these things sometimes tend to, you know, you're right. I mean, as recently, I think Knight's comments about never returning were as recent as 2017, but he's always maintained sort of a public presence and talks and speeches in Indiana, just not at, at Indiana. Um, And it was really around that same time that he started to become, I would say noticeably more sort of praising of IU fans of his IU experience. Um, He uh, would actually spoke at i know this sounds probably crazy to some people he spoke at a high school in bloomington in 2017 just a few days after archie miller was hired and spoke glowingly about archie miller um because archie miller came from dayton and knight had known don Donaher, dayton's longtime coach he was a good friend and, and knight basically said that he checked with Donaher, he'd uh, gotten the endorsement you know from Donaher of archie miller and that, that fans should support him and that he thought he was going to do a really good job and That led into just a series of things that have happened kind of within the last 12 months. He turned up uh, virtually by surprise, a very small handful of people knew about it beforehand at an IU baseball game in April of last year. Then he moved back to Bloomington in the summer of last year. And at that point, I would say everyone kind of felt it was inevitable, but for it to happen Saturday uh, the real driving forces were a couple of former players in particular, Randy Whitman, who was um, the star on the 81 national championship team, Butner, who was a captain and point guard on the 76 national championship team. And then a few of Knight's kind of confidants and support network, so to speak here in Bloomington, um, you know, Larry Rink is team doctor, Bob Hamill is a longtime beat writer at the Bloomington Herald times. And so I think, you know, it had kind of gotten to a point where, there was a belief that it was a qu- it was a matter of when rather than if. Um, but then obviously, you know, it, it, it with Knight and and certainly with anyone who's 79 years old, um, you always understand that it's got to be something that that everybody remains a little bit fluid on because plans can change quickly.
0: When I listened to your description, it was very good on what happened. I think anybody like me would read between the lines of what you just said, Zach, and and take it as. Bobby Knight although he would never admit to it was positioning himself to want to he it sounds like he wanted to come back the baseball appearance the high school appearance moving back to Bloomington it, it just feels like he uh for whatever reason decided late in his life that he wanted to go back to IU and be on be at that basketball arena if not on Saturday then at some other time
7: yay I think that's fair I think that's fair and you know he didn't He hasn't spoken publicly in terms of interviews and things like that in a very long time beyond those talks that he does. Um, He didn't speak before or during this appearance, so you don't want to put words in his mouth. But, uh, you know, I I think it was interesting, for example, that he, he came back on Saturday, obviously, publicly. He actually came back to Assembly Hall about a week and a half ago because they played this tribute video for him before he came out on the floor and he was interviewed as part of that video in cook hall which is indiana's practice facility and my understanding is he he came in i think i want to say a week ago last wednesday did the interview and then and then walked through cook hall and a little bit of assembly hall so I just, you know it, it wasn't like he just wheeled up on saturday and said hey let's do this yeah this yeah. was planned on his end and i think yes i, I think at some level you know it, he, he it was time. And again, I don't want to put words too much in his mouth. Um, of course, he can speak for himself like anyone can. But I think you're right in, in the assessment of the idea that, you know, it just it felt like it had been sort of step after step after step. And reembracing, again, his support network here in town, you know, friends. Um, I believe Indiana's team doctor, who is was his team doctor as well, a man named Larry Rink. And so it's something that just kind of built on top of itself until you get to an afternoon like Saturday.
0: Yeah, describe for our listeners now what it looked like in there, what the the faces looked like. Somebody wrote, it may have been you, I read so many articles, I don't know who wrote what, but somebody wrote, um, students cheered and adults cried. It's funny, I'm not sure anybody knew quite what to do at first.
7: And obviously, word had gotten out, everyone knew, that bar some late, late change of plans night, we'd be coming out at halftime. You know, it's it's worth pointing out that, you know, the average college freshman today wasn't born, you know, the last time Bob Knight coached a game at Indiana. So I think from the perspective of students, even maybe some of the students that grew up in state, you know, that they don't have tangible memories or maybe even handed down memories of Bob Knight, you know, at Indiana, um, the alumni, I think there was you know a real sort of you know, you almost kind of sense that there were a lot of men and women of a certain age in that building that could suddenly date themselves again, and I mean that in a good way, but could you know, I, I talked to a gentleman who uh, pulled me aside, walking around downtown Bloomington Friday night, and then I ran into him again Saturday at the arena. And he said that he was this—he was class—IU class of '75. He'd been at Knight's first game at Assembly Hall in 1971. Wow! By uh, circumstance, he'd been at Knight's last game at Indiana—the wow. the NCAA tournament loss to Pepperdine in Pepperdine and Buffalo—and he just sort of—you could tell. I mean, he said this, and you could also just tell it in, in his his attitude. He wanted to be there. You know, he wanted that moment um, to kind of reconnect maybe to his own past even as much as to, um, you know, pit to Bob Knight or or anything like that. And so there was a lot of cheering. It wasn't always, you know, it wasn't always terribly connected. I think the crowd wanted to take its cues off of him a little bit too. He kind of turned and waved to each of the four sides of Assembly Hall kind of intermittently. Um, But I think just broadly speaking, it it felt like a, and this, this sounds cliche, but this is probably the best way I can say it it felt like a celebration and it wasn't this deafening roar. It wasn't the loudest I've ever heard assembly hall, that sort of thing. But it just felt like everybody just sort of got to spend 15 minutes celebrating this thing that wherever you fall on Bob Knight has been lingering over the program ever since his dismissal, um, which is, you know, kind of mending that last fence and for lack of a better term, kind of making Indiana basketball whole again.
0: How would it have been different 12 years ago? The people would have been younger. More people would have remembered him. What, what Would it have been louder? What would have been the ambiance? Would there have been any difference in the ambiance if this day happened 12 years ago? It might have been.
7: You know, I, I, I could see that. I, I think, you know, Night's Shadow probably sort of cast a, a lot further 12, 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Um you know, I think a lot of people if you were to if you were to poll you know somehow poll i u basketball fans, a cross section of i u basketball fans, I think you'd get a variety of distinct answers that would look a little bit like the French Parliament. You'd have nine or ten different you know different answers uh, with at least five or six percent support. but I bet the one that you would get that would probably be the most consistent would be some version of the idea that the average IU fan had moved on from ever, you know, sort of pulling Knight back that didn't mean that they wouldn't be happy to see him back in assembly hall. That didn't mean they wouldn't be happy to see him reconnect with his pro the old program. Um, that didn't mean they wouldn't celebrate that. That just meant that maybe the obsession that it undeniably existed for the five, six, seven years after his firing, um, you know, had kind of dissipated. And so, you know, I think, again, that's why I use the term celebration because I don't think it was for a vast majority of people relief or, you know, some sort of, you know, almighty emotional release. I think for a lot of people it was just, this is nice. You know, Indiana basketball has not always had the success it expects, but structurally, culturally, fundamentally, it has been able to, you know, sort of move on and establish itself as its own thing independent of Bob Knight and all these years since, but it's undeniable that it has felt like, you know, a fractured family a little bit. And I think that everybody could in if, whatever their outlook on Knight, yeah. come together yesterday and celebrate seeing that kind of stitch back
4: together.
0: Zach, a lot of us have not seen him in a long time, maybe since his commentary days at ESPN, um, uh, Physically he did not look well to a lot of us. That was a, a big talking point on social media. Is he ill that we know of?
7: First of all, I one thing I would say when people ask is he is seventy-nine years old. I mean he's pushing eighty, and I think people forget how old he is because he was around for so long. Right, and, right. You know, I think people like that can start to feel a little bit timeless at, at some point. Um, there have been kind of in, in dribs and drabs. You know little things that have come out over the years suggesting that, that you know he, he has kind of hit some rockier patches of health um, that his mind isn't quite what it used to be um, that doesn't necessarily I know people who because he's just it's funny since he moved back to Bloomington he just sort of turns up like he's you know he goes to uh, a friend's grandchild softball game he's having breakfast at cozy table diner he's having lunch out by the mall you know just those kinds of things. And, um, people who talk to him, he's, you know, he's, he's still Bob Knight. It's, it's, it's not awkward or or weird or anything like that, but it's undeniable that he's, you know, he's, he's getting on in his years and you can see some of the, the wear and tear of that. But at the same time, like I said, as as I tell people whenever they ask, um, he's, Bush and 80 years old and, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's not a young man anymore. And so, um, again, I know some of the people who talked to him when he came in for that video, you know, who said he could, he could sit there and, you know, basically recite statistics or facts or whatever you needed. Like he could just, he could recall things perfectly, whatever. Um, but there have been suggestions over the years that, you know, his, his memory is, is, Slipping a little bit, he's in, in some of his public appearances. He's struggled. He's mixed up names or mm-hmm. you know told anecdotes twice, but yep. with two different sort of right. key figures involved. Those kinds of things, okay. and so it's it's undeniable that that's in play. Um, but I don't you know necessarily think it's. I don't think people should see him as just sort of this you know invalid character either.
0: Zach, before we finish up, I was thinking a lot about night on Saturday, like the whole college basketball world was when we saw all the highlights and video from uh, the day that you, that you uh, experienced. And I was thinking about the stark contrast between how he's viewed regionally in your neck of the woods versus the way I gather the nation, the sports nation, thinks of him. And I was trying to think back to people like that, sports figures like that. And I'm sure there's a million of them that I'm just not thinking of. But that interests me. It, and maybe you'll tell me, Mitch, you're, you're, all, you're all wet. Either you'll tell me he's more popular nationally than I think he is or you'll tell me he's less popular locally than I think he is. But it feels like this is a legendary figure, almost a universally beloved figure in your neck of the woods. And yet as soon as you step outside the IU region, whatever that is, it, he's a guy who is is thought of as crass, negative, nasty, bad, defiant, use the word that you want, bigoted. You you, you could use all the words, any adjective that you can come up with. Am I on the money on that? You know, I I would,
7: I mean, I think that's probably certainly true along the baseline. Um, I, I would imagine that both of those ends have probably drifted toward the middle as time has gone on just because of the natural progression you know i mean i mean listen I, I think there's a section of indiana fans that will always look upon night even after yesterday just a little bit bitterly sort of saying whatever went on you know that you couldn't turn back up for the fans before this that you couldn't turn back up for your players um certainly i think that was a, a prevailing sentiment before he returned now i think again that time does tend to heal a lot of wounds and, and the people who feel that way, I think as time goes on. will probably soften their stance. Just that's the way these things tend to work. Um, you know, I didn't grow up in Indiana. I've lived in Bloomington since I was a freshman in college in 2005, but I didn't grow up here. And, and, and so I'm sort of intimately familiar with IU basketball while it not being necessarily something that was culturally important to my upbringing. Um, So I'd like to think that I can kind of see a lot of the different layers with someone like Bob Knight. Um, I think that the thing about him, you know, if if you try to think of of other really polarizing figures, particularly coaches, you know, I've I've heard people compare him, for example, to Billy Martin, the, you know, the old Yankees manager, uh, Woody Hayes, I think, you know, for some obvious reasons, you know, that they're, they're. Demeanor and their Ohio State connections. Um, you know, the thing that strikes me about Knight is, and, and I, I, I hope this doesn't come off as uh, he covers Indiana. He's an Indiana homer because genuinely uh, I'm very much not. He was really quite possibly the most successful coach of his generation, the best coach, the smartest coach, um, the most brilliant coach of his generation in any American sports at that time in the way that he – change certain things about basketball, the way he saw the game, the way he taught the game, the way he developed the players. Um, and that's not to say that there are not parts of Knight's persona, Knight's past, Knight's behavior that, you know, shouldn't be reckoned with as well, that should just be shoved under the rug so everyone can celebrate while ignoring, you know, some of the, 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 the more human stuff, um, some of the stuff that's, you know, frankly not as, not as attractive, not as um, – aesthetically pleasing or kind of whatever adjective you want to use there. But I do think that it, it, it's always going to be more complicated with someone around like Bob Knight, because as much as you want to compare him to somebody like Billy Martin, I just don't know if he has that many peers. And so when you try to peel back a lot of those layers and when you you know, when you also talk to or about Bob Knight, I mean, I've only ever really heard him speak in, scrums and then obviously in public appearances and things like that. But, you know, people know him talk about just how smart he was outside basketball, how, how much basketball was just one layer to the way that his mind worked, to the way that he operated, to the way that he saw the world. Um, And yet it was obviously so important and such an intense part of his, his uh, persona as well, that, that he wound up being so successful in it. So you're probably right kind of to forgive me that's the 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 long answer to the short question but um the the short answer would be you're probably right I think that you know again if we could do the sort of 10 years ago 12 years ago versus right now I'm guessing that those lines would have blurred together a little bit more um because I think time just tends to do that and I think broadly speaking you know after this from the the majority of Indiana fans perspectives it's just sort of the opportunity to say okay now We've had that moment. He's had that moment. Maybe most importantly, frankly, his players have had that moment. And everyone can just sort of mend together, and now everybody just moves on. I I don't think there's going to be a question Monday morning of, well, when's Bob Knight coming back again? You know, when when is he coming back a second time?
0: Zach, thank you very much. Thanks for being with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star on a momentous Saturday afternoon in Bloomington, Indiana, the return of three-time national championship coach and 79-year-old Bob B. Knight. You know that Daniels is celebrating its 40th anniversary, and to commemorate this occasion, thank all their guests for the tremendous loyalty. Only Daniels Leshai now will be offering a bottle of Veuve Clicquot Yellow Label Champagne for $40 at dinner. Simply order one entree and the same bottle of Veuve Clicquot Yellow Label That Daniels currently offers for $145 is yours for just $40 that night. That's right, $40. And while this is an exceptional offer, Daniels knows that the loyalty of their guests over a 40-year period clearly deserves an offer of this magnitude. Daniels lives by a simple philosophy. The needs of their guests come first, Period. This $40 yellow label champagne is now available at Daniels Leschi seven days a week. Locally owned by the Schwartz family, South Lake Union, Leschi Marina, Bellevue Place. And now the new downtown Hyatt Regency serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Daniels Broiler, world class steakhouses.
1: Unfiltered.
2: U.S. Embassy in Beijing confirmed overnight that the first American has died from the virus at the epicenter in the Chinese city of Wuhan. The outbreak is responsible for more than 720 deaths. All but two have occurred in mainland China. More than 34,000 people have been infected with the virus worldwide, including at least 12 confirmed cases of the virus right here in the United States.
0: It's been labeled a public health emergency of international concern concern. concern the new coronavirus joining us on mitch unfiltered is dr eric ding public health scientist harvard and johns hopkins graduate 15 years i think on the faculty at the harvard school of public health new york times staff member and the list goes on and on doc thanks for participating on the podcast
3: Thanks. No New York Times staffer, Just uh, whistleblower. (laughs)
0: Okay. Just whistleblower. Let's start with coronavirus 101. What is it? How is it different and how does it spread, Doc?
3: Yeah, it's a a virus um, that we just recently discovered that seemed to have jumped from animals to humans sometime in November. And it started an outbreak as early as December in China. And it's grown a lot. It's epicenter in Wuhan, China, but it's, uh, it's now infected over 24,000 people and killed almost 500. And it's re- started to reach the United States. There's about eight cases in the United States. No one's died, but everyone's a little worried.
0: How does it spread?
3: Well, it spreads human to human. We think the the air droplets we think it has a, a reproductive transmission number that means for every infected person how many other people infects, somewhere between two and three. So it's a, it's a fast transmitting. Just for comparison, like the seasonal flu has a 1.3, so every person infects 1.3 others. So that's a slow spreading, but this is faster than the flu. We don't know how, much, how many people it kills uh, because we don't know how to... A good uh, case fatality ratio is but we think it's somewhere between one and three percent again the numbers are not perfect because we're in the fog of war of this early epidemic and yeah it's sickened a lot of people and it's locked down a lot of people because of transmission in china and there is some concern that uh, it could transmit person person even when you don't have symptoms That's being debated right now. There's some evidence that's true, some evidence that's not true. But unlike SARS and many other viruses, they only transmit when you have symptoms. This might have a chance to transmit, even when you don't think you're sick yet. So it makes it a little bit harder to, uh, to contain this.
0: Symptomatically, what raises the red flag, Dr. Ding? How do we know that it's something different than a normal
3: cold or a normal flu? yeah it's it's a little bit it's cold and flu season, which makes it tricky it's a little bit like the flu in terms of you have a little fever you have a little cough but it's all it's also it's a it's a type of viral pneumonia, so you have a lot more chest congestion chest fluid you know pressure than the average um than the average flu so it's hard to really differentiate. The, that's the tricky part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the difference is unlike the flu where A, there's a flu shot that's mostly effective. There's no flu shot and no one has any background immunity based on having had the flu before. You could get a, you know, sister strain that's related and you can have partial immunity. There's none of that. It's a brand new virus. No one's ever seen before. No one has any immunity, and it spreads really fast.
0: We've got a 14-year-old going to Hawaii for a basketball tournament next week. His mom wants to know about perspiration. Is that a problem?
3: First of all, there's been no cases in Hawaii yet, um, so it's there's no like out in the community cases. I think it's within the United States. It's totally fine. You know, all the cases so far in the U.S. have been contained among people who either traveled to Wuhan or their husband and wife or family member of someone who went to Wuhan, who came back from Wuhan. So it has not spread outside of the community. It's all self-contained in you know, recent travelers or family of recent travelers. So it's not spreading in the community yet. Hawaii is totally fine. Don't worry. Perspiration, no? I think it's fine. Yeah. I, like right now, perspiration is it's just like someone who's... Right now, it's cold and flu season. Everyone sneezes. There's just some more... There's more droplets actually yeah. when you sneeze than uh, just than just perspiration. So I don't. I wouldn't worry about perspiration right now,
0: Doctor Ding. Uh, these viruses that grab international headlines from time to time. What percentage of them actually stay around? What are the chances that we'll be in five years still talking about the coronavirus? Are we? Will we not? Will it even be a thing in five years?
3: Yeah, this is a very very tricky and interesting question. We don't know because SARS we killed it off in like about half a year. And, you know, SARS, it took like three months to hit 8,000 cases worldwide. Mm-hmm. We hit 8,000 cases in less than a month with this. It spreads much faster than SARS, it seems. And we killed it off eventually just by quarantine without even using a vaccine. Eventually, by the time vaccine arrived for SARS, we already pretty much defeated it. But this one, it seems different. It spreads really fast. Again, it doesn't kill as many as SARS, which kill like 10% of all infected people. This is like 1% to 2%, we think. But it could just be that it comes back seasonally. It could be like seasonal flu comes back season after season, year after year, if we don't contain it. But if we do contain it, hopefully it doesn't go to the rest of the world and become a problem. Because... This virus, you know, it's tricky. And it will take at least nine to 12 months to get a vaccine. So, for this first year, basically, we have to try to defeat it just via the old fashioned control and containment method. And then hopefully we'll have a vaccine. And hopefully, when we have that, it will be very much better under control.
0: You keep mentioning 1% to 2% on the death rate. I know that 17,400 were reported at the beginning, confirmed cases were reported at the beginning of the week. But that's just the beginning. There's no telling how many are already infected. And if there's no telling how many are already right. infected, we don't
3: know. That number could be half a percent, right, for all we know. Yeah, it could be. I'm just estimating right now because we don't have a good number. It could be less than one. It could be a little bit higher than two. What happens is, you know, there's this fog of war right now. There's so many people who are getting diagnosed and so many people who are, were being turned away because we don't have the hospital volume and testing volume to measure them. And if people are being turned away, then if they die, we don't know and necessary immediately. And there's always delay and, you know, um, all that. So if we're just turning away the mild cases, it could be just that, you know, it could be way less than 1% because we're just turning away the mild cases and there's a lot more people who get it. Right. But, you know, at the same time, you know, within the hospital, they say 25% of the infected people in the hospital have to go to the ICU. But again, that's only of those people who end up in the hospital. Right, so right. It's, I think it's much lower than that in reality. But it's really hard to tell early on. And you know, in China, we can't, we can't really trust all the numbers coming in China. There's hmm. some modeling forecast that says the actual number is probably five to, five to eight times higher than what the government report. We just don't know. And, you know, we don't know what we don't know.
0: Doc, these surgical masks that we see people wear in public from time to time, is it a misnomer that yeah. they substantially aid in preventing those that are healthy from catching the virus? Or is it just more about not spreading from somebody who already has an illness?
3: Yeah, these masks vary um, greatly. First of all, surgical masks are not airtight. You know you you have a lot of air moving through the side of your mouth. um it's just it's', it's it blocks big splashes of fluids, so that's why they're used in surgery it, they're, but they're not antivirus respirators now the the some of the other masks, um there's different quality grades. If you get an n ninety five one, it blocks out ninety five percent of particles again, it's ninety five percent but it's a little bit better, but it, it's it's very difficult to breathe in, in now. And again, I would not wear it yet in the United States. I think if you're in China and you're going outside, that's a different beast. Yes. But in the United States, it's too early. The only question is if you're going through the airport, there's a lot of people who do wear the masks. And the other problem right now is there's a huge back order and it's hard <laughs> to find them now and order them. So. Like, my mom ordered some uh, a while <laughs> back, and it's like, oh, it's too early. It's like, well, it's it, it's too late to order. Uh, it's back ordered till like, March, I think, right now.
0: Oh, uh, why don't we have a piece of those companies? So, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, right? Yes. Don't touch your face.
3: Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Cover your cough. That's the best we can do right now. Don't go into mass hysteria. It is not yet in the community, yet in the United States, based on what CDC has reported. It's only been intained. So don't be paranoid.
0: Do Americans wash their hands enough? How often should we wash our hands? And what should we use when we wash our hands?
3: I forget what the stat is on uh, washing hands prevalence. Again, in the absence of an epidemic, people wash hands much less than um, once you tell them there's (laughs) (laughs) an epidemic somewhere in the world. So people listen. Uh, It's all about PSA. Wash the soap, lather up. And don't just do the fingertips. Go further up on your arms. Go get under your fingernails because that's oftentimes where you grab things and where germs and get stuck. But, you know, not everyone does it perfectly. It's, it's just do your best. Wash your hands. And when you open the bathroom doors, and this is something I always tell you know, that paper towel you used to dry? Use a paper towel to open the I bathroom doors. Do. Don't use your finger hand, fingers to open the bathroom doors because, you know, there's still people who don't wash yeah. their hands. Yes,
0: yes, I always do. I never, and that's why they have trash cans right next to the door, inside the door, so that you can use a paper towel to open the door and then throw it in the waste paper basket. Dr. Yeah. Eric Ding, a public health scientist, Harvard Johns Hopkins graduate. Uh, lots of years on the Harvard Thanks. School of Public Health. We appreciate your time. Thank you for being with us on Mitch Unfiltered.
3: Thank you. Have a good day. The
0: voice of Dr. Eric Fagel-Ding, scientist, graduate of Johns Hopkins and Harvard, also on the Harvard University School of Public Health and the coronavirus. What you need to know about it. With both the NFL and college football seasons officially now in the books, a gigantic thank you to John Waterstott's Fireside Home Solutions for partnering up with Unfiltered during the football season What a pleasure and privilege it's been to be connected with such a fabulous company, which has been at the forefront of the fireplace, barbecue setups, and garage doors for all of these years. Peter King, Brady Henderson, Rick Neuheisel, Jason Lock All those voices that have brought expertise, information, and fun to the show. Not possible without Fireside Home Solutions. Every time I drive into my neighborhood and see a Fireside Home Solutions van sitting in a driveway... I smile from ear to ear, and it's happening more and more. Whether it's a new energy-efficient fireplace this winter, a new set of garage doors, or even a high-end barbecue setup, the first call you should make, Fireside Home Solutions or firesidehomesolutions.com. They'll come to your home free of charge, and they'll work with you on the solution that's best for your budget and your situation. I love them. Thank you, John. Fireside Home Solutions.
3: Unfiltered.
0: Final segment, episode 78, episode DJ Fluker. We've got the other stuff segment.
1: Yes, we do. It's not going to be DJ Fluker. And don't you're going to your choose it? Up. If you'd like me to. Are yeah. you
0: down to? I'm
1: down to two? two, yeah. And who are the two that you're down to? Bruce Smith yeah, from Bruce Smith. Virginia Tech.
0: Oh, great all-time pass rusher,
1: man. He was 78. great. He was great. He Coming around to, the end. You hear stories that he would like wear out Stairmasters and... He would just, he was relentless at home on these stairs. He would burn them Real, out. Really? That's how he got I all of his that. stamina,
0: yeah. And then maybe the gold plate, the gold standard of all offensive linemen, Anthony Munoz.
1: Yep. So you have to come up with the 78. All this right. has been a big week for me, you know. Two, really? Two people have decided to follow me on the same week.
0: Now, are they allowed to follow you? Are they within the region of the school? Or?
1: Uh... <laughs> oh, sorry, on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> Yeah, only one person follows me outside of yeah. Twitter.
0: Two people decided to follow you on Twitter.
1: In the same week, one, Dave Grosby. Really? First time he's ever followed me on Twitter. Big moment really? for me. Really? Another guy named Mitch Levy decided to follow me.
0: Oh, somebody must have hacked my account.
1: <laughs> you were hacked, right? <laughs> I know. What a! am one of like 32 people that you follow. It's very exclusive. I don't think
0: it's 30. Is it 32? Am I, think, I up to 32? I, think I was 31. When I did the radio show, I, had like, I followed like four or five or six people.
1: It's snobby of
0: you. It's not really snobby. There's actually a reason, a rhyme or reason to it. That just gets to, uh, you miss a lot of stuff. The more people you follow, the more people you miss. The more things you miss. So let's say, let's say I don't know who my favorite follow is. I don't know who it is. Let's say it's you. Okay. Let's say that Hot Shot Scott. And by the way. You ever followed somebody and then immediately regretted it, and you're like, oh, <laughs> do I unfollow? Will he notice well, that, that I unfollow? Because I that's don't what know. I, gonna do. I started looking at some of the things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I told you, it's a dumbing of America. You know who K- Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, do you know who they follow? This is, always makes me laugh. Popeyes. They, no, they follow uh, only 11 different people, all right? They follow the, the five Spice Girls and six guys named Herb. It's really? A, it's that's 11 funny. herbs and spices. I like that. <laughs> Too. Go look at KFC. It was that way like a year ago. Wow, I have a. Look, that's very clever. That's very clever, right? They yeah. follow eleven herbs and spices. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for the person who has to like look at the Spice that's Girls every day. I never knew that. That's, that's good. Very, that's very good. Are we talked about Rush Limbaugh? Just
0: because he came By out the way. Oh, while yep. you're talking Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> yeah. Azelles, are you an Azelles guy? Look at me.
1: What, what part of me says I'm not an Izzell's no, guy? No, I
0: know that you have eaten Izzell's, but do you understand how good Izzell's is?
1: Yeah, I used to be... Well, I'm still kind of friendly with Izzell's cousin, so... yeah. Really? He, he would always bring stuff Izzel's down. not a
0: part of it anymore, right? He's off to his own thing, right? I think right? so, Sold yeah. out a long time ago? So
1: they would always bring it down to the morning show. Yeah, delicious.
0: My Spicy. My little son and I, not as much my wife... Well, I think, I think my, my big son, Max, like movie mogul Max probably likes it too, but my little son and I... Love Azels. Love going to Azelle's together. It's so good. We try not to do it very often, but every now and again, we'll be, at a, we'll be at a basketball. It's always this basketball thing. The two of us are at a basketball tournament where he's probably not playing, <laughs> just high-fiving. Maybe in Auburn or whatever, Kent it's or somewhere. It's wherever, wherever you yeah. are. Uh, and Woodenville, And then, boom, there's an Azelle's and we sit down oh my god we're I like know. two it's like seven. so good Yep. so so good. anyway I'm sorry they used I took, to bring it down to like 9 a.m. I stole a. your a thunder th- with some mazelles
1: well they used to bring it down to like 9 a.m. I'm like I, I, I can't eat it's 9 a.m. I can't have this Like, but then I would just take so a so Grosby
0: of and Levy Grosby and Levy well, I followed you and uh, Steve Dion and yeah. immediately regretted both. <laughs>
1: I'm sure you did <laughs> last week we talked about Rush Limbaugh has lung cancer I said boy he's like after Howard he must be the second highest guy ever in radio right he's a legend
0: well I immediately I'll tell you who I immediately thought of but people may not know him who's that the guy who died recently Imus Don Imus in the morning no Imus was b- Imus in the morning
1: yeah but no. I I mean he's talk big about a controversial but... figure another one exactly yeah. yeah he is but I said Rush is probably on what 150 he was on 600 stations or still is I guess he's not dead yet you said
0: 150 see this is part of the things I don't listen to when you talk
1: I just guessed what's he on 150 oh Mark? come on well that's Six, a lot that's, 150 no that's no? not a lot really no what
0: was 600 a lot no uh, Larry King was on, like, 1,000 stations. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I thought 600 was pretty impressive. And I also found hey, uh, out— Hello, this is Larry King. <laughs> Mitch isn't home right
1: now. Now, you're wondering, oh, what, right.
0: what connection do Mitch and I have? Best friends, old pals.
1: He also—Rush uh, lives in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, I know that hometown. So I was wondering if your mom and he have brunch sometimes. <laughs> is she friends with Rush Limbaugh? Do they hang out? <laughs> do they golf? <laughs> do they go bowling? <laughs> you don't know how funny that is on a number of different— How old is he, did you say? Uh, I don't know. Rush Limbaugh, he's probably oh my 65 or so. When I saw West Palm Beach, I was like, oh my God, he must be in your mom's I wonder if my
0: mom would even know who Rush Limbaugh is.
1: Oh, she's a big fan. She's always wanted to talk to somebody who's been successful in radio. So she's always wanted to sit down and have brunch with him. What's it like being good at radio? You know, that's really nasty <laughs> to say. <laughs> I'm surprised you even got it.
0: <laughs> what, what, did you need to spell that one out Well, for you me? listen I, to I, about I, half I, of the
1: things yeah, I say. Yeah, you
0: know, yeah. to, but to I told fair, you but, what she said about the first podcast. I oh, told you that. That's mother. right. She's very, she was very proud of the first podcast. My, my oldest brother, who's with her all the time, God yeah. love him, uh, brought, her, brought her aside and said, hey, would you like to hear what your little son is doing now? He's got a podcast. This is you know, 16 months ago, 14 months ago, and she starts playing the podcast. Mm-hmm. And her face lit up when she heard my voice. Wow, this is great. And like three minutes after it started, she was like, okay, enough already. Turn that off. <laughs>
1: That sounds about right. I was doing Afternoon Drive, and my wife would tell me something Ron and Don did that day. I'm like, oh. you realize I'm on at the same time, right? Oh, I mean, we well, used
0: to do that with Jackie and Bender. Oh, oh God. God, if I heard one more thing about Jackie and Bender,
1: <laughs> Kiss 106. Uh, okay, all right. Do we get into the Gale King stuff? So have you go been ahead, it?
0: I, No, I have not. So I, you oh. texted me just for full disclosure. You texted me and said, hey, uh, let's talk about the Gale King. The Gail King, uh, Kobe Bryant stuff, right? Yes,
1: Gail King is one of Oprah's best friends. And the, she, not, not one of. Yeah, probably her best friend, I guess. Her best I don't, friend, I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't hang out with Oprah, so I don't no, know for no, no, sure. No, but, no, I, I know. So, Gail King's also a journalist. and, yeah, and you she's, know, she's on
0: CBS this morning. Yeah. Is she not
1: on that anymore? Yeah, yeah she's no. on CBS. She's respected. She's made
0: a career out of being Oprah's friend.
1: But she's also a respected journalist. I mean, she has broadcasting chops. I mean, okay. yeah, she can interview. Chops. She knows what she's doing. Do she's, I have chops? I don't ask your mom. (laughs) She turned you (laughs) off after three minutes. All right, enough already. Would you please? (laughs) So she's receiving death threats over something she said about Kobe Bryant.
0: Well, anybody, what I've noticed, and I think this is where you're going, I don't know for sure, that when Kobe Bryant died, anybody, there was Bonnie Bernstein, there were a lot of different, well, not a lot of, there was a section of the nation, uh, prestigious people in media and so forth, and writers that thought it was important to make sure that we highlighted the portion of Kobe's life that wasn't so good. That's right. And people got really really I watched it happen. I watched I read the comments. Anybody who had the audacity to bring up what happened at Eagle Colorado in the days after Kobe Bryant passed away on that helicopter in that helicopter got absolutely
1: destroyed by huge populations. And yep. I'm assuming that's where you're going. That's obviously. exactly where I'm going. For those that don't know, he was accused in 2003. Who doesn't know this? Yeah, okay, fine. But there was a rape allegation in 2003. It
0: went away when she decided she wasn't going to cooperate with the district attorney's office. That's exactly right. So, and then there was a civil proceeding between her and him that was that was uh, settled out of court, but we don't know the specifics of that settlement.
1: We don't know the amount that she was right, given right, for that. Right, yeah, so yeah. basically she just said, Kobe's legacy is complicated, given the 2003 allegations. Is it complicated for you? She was interviewing Lisa Leslie, former WNBA player. Yeah. That's really all she said. It's His, his history, his legacy I mean, is complicated. I'm telling complicated. you, Hotshot, anybody Man. who
0: brought it up in those days, hours, and days, and maybe weeks yeah. after anybody who brought it up got really, there was big time, big time pushback by the nation.
1: Yeah. I mean, when Snoop Dogg came out and made a video and called her a funky doghead bee. For like, bringing it up. For bring it what do you up?
0: think about that?
1: And he's, he's accused her of trying to tarnish my mother effing homeboy's reputation. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to bring it up because that's part of his life. I, I, I think that was a completely fair question yeah. to ask Lisa Leslie. Is it complicated? Because clearly it is for some people and isn't for others. So I think it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, that was part of his life. We can't hide from it. It was a huge chapter in his life. Yeah, I, we were doing a morning show at the time every day. Every there was single like day, new stuff. If you remember, it was, every single day. I yeah. mean, Snoop has since walked back what he said. I'm not a violent person. I right. just felt he was disrespectful to my family.
0: So, how has this kind of continued to to move on this 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 sh- story with Gail King? Is it still going? It's
1: still going because and- she's fighting back with people who have who have ra- raised. Words with her? She since made a video as well saying that she blames CBS because they sort of teased out that, that, just that question. So she said, if I would have seen only that, I could maybe think that I was just going after Kobe. But it was a small part of the interview that yeah. they, they teased out because it's probably the most salacious. Right. So she's mad at CBS right. for not protecting her. Amy Schumer's checking in, you know, defending her. It's like everybody has opinions on this. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually surprised there wasn't more anti-Kobe stuff when he died. Honestly, I, th- I thought I was going to see more. But like you said, you get attacked if you say it. So I guess maybe that's why. Well, he died. Yeah.
0: I think that's a big part of this. I think if, if, if he was still alive, I think that there would have been more. But the guy died, along with eight others, by the way. And I don't know. I, I come obviously from a, different, uh, I come from a different angle than you do. I mean, I, I know what it's like to mess up while everybody's watching. I know, I know what it's like. Unfortunately, I, I have that experience and it is a, it's actually something that I try not to think about too much in terms of his, you know, his death and what people are writing and saying, because it gets me down. It gets me a little bit down because I start to think about crazy stuff. I know, I I know you're going to say that you're nuts, go see it. But I start to think about, you know, what happens if God forbid something happened to me and. What are people gonna talk about and what yeah. are they are they only gonna remember that or are they gonna you know you know, I think about that all the time. I it's something see. that I work on with with my counselor, with my therapist all the time about. And it's a hard one. It's a hard one for people yeah. that have that have that experience in their background. So
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at myself as someone who could definitely be in your shoes or in Kobe's. I mean, I that's just kind of. So I'm very sensitive to when people make a mistake and try. I'm very sensitive to it because I would not want to be in those shoes. But I could see myself. I'm one decision away from it. I
0: chose. I chose when you and I talked about it, and we did the segments and the pilots and so forth. I chose to not really talk a lot about that because in my, uh, in my uh, maybe I was just unduly impacted by my own, my own life's experiences. And I, I know what I would want if I were gone and I had some sort of say on what people talked about, yeah. I know what I would have wanted. So maybe I'm not the right person to ask about that. But I kept on coming back to the whole thing when I would think about, you know, bringing it up with you and talking about it on the segment, I keep coming back to the fact that, okay, it's in those days, it was, it was two Sundays ago. It was the same day we did a, we did an episode the same day. Yeah. And then the following Thursday was four days in a week and whatever and my thought was it's just too soon the guy's dead the guy's dead and he has done so much good for people and he has done so many things that have been galvanizing and have brought people together and that's not to say that i want to be disrespectful to the the woman that and we don't and the other part about his story that's different than a lot of ours is we don't really know what happened there was no there there was no criminal End to this. right
1: Only two people know. But really, and, and, and I, that's
0: not to suggest that she wasn't telling the truth and he wasn't. Lying. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't want to be. And it's, it's hard. It's a hard balance because I don't want to be disrespectful to her and to the millions and millions of American and worldwide women who have been victims in in in, in sexual assault. That's right. And sexual misconduct. And I don't want to be disrespectful to any of those people. So it's a really and at the same time. I don't also want to be disrespectful to his legacy and to his fans, and so so there's this thing. that's his a it's too. It's a real you know? yeah. it's family. That's a really really slippery, slidey ice, thin ice. It really, and is. I just I chose with you until now to not go there, and maybe that was the wrong thing. I don't know. Maybe I should have gone there. You didn't seem to be inclined to want to go there, and I just thought you know the world doesn't want me to go there. It would have been episode 76. It would have been episode, because this is what, 78? 78, yeah. So it would have been 76, 76 76P, 77, 77P. We have talked about Kobe, all four of those podcasts. And I haven't taken you there. I haven't gone to Eagle, Colorado and those proceedings in that time of his life. And I did it consciously because I didn't, A, I was uncomfortable doing it because I know how I feel about me and my life and how I hope people view me. And, And B, I was being, trying to be but, I, but I, I understand. Maybe I was being, by not going there, maybe I was being disrespectful to all the women out there, and especially this woman in Eagle, Colorado, who have been who been victims of sexual assault. I don't know. It was, it's a really, really hard one. And I, I don't know if there is a right answer on all this.
1: Yeah. And I feel sorry for Gail King getting death threats. That seems really unnecessary. I do too. If that's what she
0: said, then, yeah. you know, it's, but I'm telling you, she wasn't the only one getting death threats. Bonnie Bernstein was getting death threats, yeah. or pretty close to it. Uh, somebody wrote an article, What is her name is, Sarah Spain on ESPN. Do you know Sarah Spain on ESPN? You sh- You would know her to see her. If I put her up on the, on the screen, you would know her. She wrote a very, very long, well-thought article about what happened in Eagle, Colorado, about Kobe Bryant, and she just got
1: hammered. Is that right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Was it? Are, she they, was told to go. Yeah, yeah, the world did not like that coming up. Is it just too soon? Is that what people think? Or do we think I that because know. he apologized, we can kind of move on? I'm just kind of, I'm wondering if you get in the mindset of people who are outraged. I think it's a
0: combination it. of things. I think it's uh, what we talked about. I think A, it's too soon. And B, it may be reversed. A, B is too soon. And A is... You know, I've said this. I said this in episode one. I'll say it to you. I'll say it to anybody who comes to me. I'd like to think that at the end of all of our days, for those of us, all of us have messed up. Some of us have messed up because of our jobs where everybody can see our dirty laundry. Others mess up privately, right? And I would just hope, and I've always felt this way, that at the end when it's all said, when it comes to judging time, that we're not judged on one incident, our worst day. That's not to say that I, I would hope that, That wouldn't be a part of the story. But you would like to think that it would be a compilation of all the things that you've stood for in your life and all the good, any good things you've done, any bad things you've done. That would all be a part of the conversation. And with him, a b, it was too soon. And then up to A, you know, not to say that these outweigh what happened whatever happened in eagle but he did a lot of great things and he grew up and he brought people together and he was he he carried the flag for women's sport he did a lot of things for women little girls for basketball for sports yep. for olympics whatever it was the wnba he he became an incredibly galvanized, this is not debatable, not disputable. He became a hero in a lot of people's mind and did so many good things after whatever happened in that Eagle Colorado hotel room. And I don't know what happened. And so I think, yes, it was too soon. And B, it was one incident, even though it was a biggie and we don't know exactly what happened, amongst a, a universe of really, really healthy and constructive and productive and galvanizing things that he did in his life. And that pissed people off. Pe- a lot of people thought, okay, we don't need to go there. Let's talk about all of these things over here. We don't yeah. have to talk about the one thing over there. Let's talk about all these things over here. That's what people
1: thought. And he had the press conference too with his wife sitting up there. I don't know if you he remember did. that or not. I remember. The big yellow canary diamond yeah. that he went out and bought and the yeah. whole thing. I mean, yeah. I, he, so he did, yeah, he remember. was contrite about it. And I think that goes a long way too. On
0: some level he was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know how I transitioned to something else after this talk, I mean, this has been pretty heavy. I had a celebrity boxing matchup for you, but how do we go into, from Let's what? to do it. <laughs> all right, you know Mary Carey, are familiar with her? She had a, she <laughs> ran for president, she's an Who's adult he? film star.
0: Okay, Mary Carey.
1: Mary Carey's fighting the woman who played Pippi Longsong in the 1988 movie. So there's gonna be a celebrity- Pippi Longstockings. What did I say, Long- Song. Oh yeah, Pippi Longstocking. Yeah, her. Pippi
0: Longstockings, yeah. <laughs> Her name's
1: Tammy Aaron. Uh, yeah, that's her most famous role. Fight? It's a fight f- it's going to be a boxing match it's going to go down April 18th at a Miami Gentleman's Club called the Booby Trap so my idea is live show we have to go cover this live show fly everybody down me you and Steve we go we broadcast live from the Booby Trap <laughs> I don't think it's happening <laughs> probably not going to happen is it I don't think why does so. everything weird happen in Florida by the way everything Jesus Christ exactly look who you're I'm sitting you're looking at weird from.
0: aren't you looking at weird uh, I have a couple of things on my, are you done with your list I have a couple of things then we can get out of here yeah, yeah I, I have yeah. are you finished
1: yeah, I got, a, I got a birthday present for Cristiano Ronaldo that was just ridiculous. Absolutely insane. The soccer player. Yes. His wife bought him a car for $850,000. An $850,000. Oh, I'm sorry, 875000 This thing has 800 Which horsepower. Which is
0: kind of a gift from himself. <laughs> right, well, that kind of bought it himself.
1: Like my dad used to say on Christmas when he'd open up a gift, this is nice. <laughs> How much does this cost me? <laughs> so, yes, it's kind of a <clears throat> yeah. unless, unless she's uh, Bill Gates' daughter or something. Yes, he kind of bought it for himself. So yeah. there you go. Okay. You want my last couple things? Rest in peace to the Cleveland Brown mascot as well, Swagger. He was a cool bull mastiff. He used to run out on the field with them, and he passed away recently. So rest, be a new one, right? Rest in peace to Swagger, really cool-looking dog. So, yeah, I'm ready for you now.
0: Uh, I think I'll skip over RuPaul Paul on, on Saturday Night Live.
1: I haven't gotten to it yet. I know I always not. tell you. You what? Do you have There's thoughts? one.
0: Well, there was one skit that was just absolutely phenomenal. Really? Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for you. I'll okay. just say it's the Ru. Do you know the Pete Davidson recurring character Chad that's in all these shows that he's done a million times this year?
1: Where he sort of doesn't care about yeah. anything. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. My wife okay. and I do that all yeah. the
1: time. It's hilarious. Okay. Okay. That, you know. Like you could say anything to yeah, him. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to hand you 500 million dollars. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Right. You know that guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, RuPaul decided in her full regale or his full regale her full, her full regale him. that he was going to she was going to make Chad, who was working on like the the lighting or whatever, the future of drag queens. Okay. The greatest drag queen of the ball. Yeah. And he went, okay. <laughs> I
5: can't
0: and wait. She, and she transforms him into and teaches him, they do him up and they teach him, she teaches him, it's her li- life goal, she's going to teach Chad to take her mantle t- so she can hand, hand the baton over, yeah. to beca- Chad's going to become the greatest drag queen of all.
1: He's got a nice thin body for it, I mean, he could probably and pull it And that's all off. I'm okay. going to
0: say, go listen to that, you go watch that
1: skit and tell me that's not funny. <laughs> Alright, I'm in. And he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> I love that, that's a really funny character. <laughs> it's not going to
0: work out. Alright. Uh, anyway, and then I, I do want to, before I get to the athlete of the week, which you've already ruined...
1: Thank you very much. And well, the, you and brought anti- up
0: one of them. Yeah, but I didn't bring up the athlete of the week. I brought the anti-athlete
1: of the oh, week. Oh, gotcha. Them. I can't keep it straight. All right.
0: I got to tell you, I'm getting such great entertainment, and maybe this is over the, over the line in this household, but I'm getting great entertainment. I have a, as you know, I have a son, Brett, who is in middle school. He's mm-hmm. at the end of middle school, getting ready to go to high school. He's in eighth wow. grade. Next year's high school. Have you followed the trends, the fashion trends? Like, you don't have a middle schooler yet. She's in... She's in fifth grade. grade.
1: She's gonna, going to middle year, school, yeah. she's going to middle school.
0: The fashion trends
1: are fascinating. Okay. Not athletically.
0: No, I'm talking about what kids decide they're going to wear. What becomes hot to wear. Fashion trends. Okay. To go to school in. All right. And how most often they are things from our youth, which oh. I never could understand. Okay, so I did, I I, I want to go there. So... Before a few days before the, the eighth grade year started, he said, I want to go shopping. Some, I want to do some clothing shopping, which all right, right there and then. Okay. We've got a story on our hands. My son wants to go clothes shopping. What, what, what? You, no, I want to, I need, I need a couple things. Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> Already so,
0: you're, uh, what do you need? What do you want? So we go to the mall. What do you want? He says, I really want a pair of Vans. That's And I'm like, you want a pair of Vans? And he said, yeah, I want a pair of Vans. I said, why do you want a pair of Vans? And he's like, I just think they're really cool. I said, is something going on at school? He's like, no, no, no. I just think that they are they look cool, these checkered Vans. I said, all right, we'll get you a pair of Vans. I, but I remember when, I mean, Vans are older than me. I had You're a pair down.
1: of Vans in 1982.
0: I, I looked it up. Vans were started in 1966. I was born in 67. <laughs> okay, Okay. people were very wearing Vans yeah. when I went to high school. Yeah. They, they, and all it, of a sudden, my 8-year-old in 2020, I mean my 8-year-old, my 8th grader in 2020 wants Vans. I'm like, what's going on? I then go pick him up, like the third or second week of school for whatever reason, doesn't come on the bus, I got to pick him up, and I watch 1,000 kids come out of the huge middle school, and out of 1,000, 1,000 were wearing Vans. <laughs>
1: That's right. Every
0: right. single kid. Yep. Girl, boy. Every single kid. Come, and I'm like, how does this happen? I know. What, what, who started that? I mean, and I'm endlessly fascinated by, okay, how did this start amongst eighth graders in 2020 or seventh graders, sixth graders? So they're all wearing, everybody at basketball games before they put their basketball sneakers, they're wearing, everybody
1: is wearing Vans. How did and I just, I think that's my daughter's got Vans. She's got a Vans hoodie, a Vans hat. (laughs) What happened? It's it's crazy. For 20 years, nobody wore Vans, right? Right, They were kind of like skateboard shoes, but but they weren't fashionable. Maybe
0: they were fashionable when we were kids, but then they went through, a a, a, you know, like 30 years when nobody wore. And now all of a sudden. Huge. Yeah. Okay. And then here's the, here's the second one. So it comes, it becomes Christmas time, Hanukkah time and the lists, you know, the gift lists. Oh yeah. Sure. Do you do the gift lists at your house? Yeah. We start looking at the list and i noticed something very odd on his list <laughs> this is we're just talking about the 14 year old okay a champion sweatshirt oh god i know i'm like hold on <laughs> you want a champion yeah yeah why because i think i just think they're cool i think they okay i'm not falling for this two times i fell for this for the vans <laughs> i went back night like 1926. 26 right that's how old these things are yeah everybody is now every kid in middle school is wearing a champion sweat i'm like this is crazy yeah. girls at syracuse university in 1987 used to wear oversized big blue and red champion sweatshirts with jeans that was the big thing in like 1988 yep. okay here we are in 2020 in my eighth grader and everybody else is wearing champion sweatshirts how does this happen
1: well, I'll give you one that I don't think ever went away, that I my daughter wears. The Chuck Taylors. Oh, the Chuck Taylors, yeah. Chuck yeah.
0: Taylors. Yeah. The, I, I, Nobody wears Chuck Taylors. Everybody's wearing Vans. You can't wear Vans and Chuck Taylors. Bob Cousy wore those, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. I mean, Jesus Christ, everyone's wearing Chuck Taylors. <laughs>
0: I just wanted to mention the trends well, in eighth grade. I'm just having a lot of fun watching what these kids wear. They're, they're wear and it's always, you would think it'd be new stuff. Right. You know, new right. F- we're out of ideas. Like the Jetsons. Yeah, right. You know, like when we were <laughs> watching the Jets, you know, something, <laughs> yeah. something new age. You, they're, 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 the, the trendiest stuff are things that we wore as kids, which is crazy to me. I, because they're all they're embarrassed about us every in every other aspect. Yeah. Oh, my God, my dad. I wouldn't wear anything my dad wore back then. Yes, you are.
1: You're wearing vans and you're right. wearing champion sweatshirts. Do you remember those Levi's jackets with like the wool? It's not real wool, like the yeah, wool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see those in Nordstrom. <laughs> those are coming back. I probably have one in my closet somewhere. Okay, here's one I want you to look out for, though. Are you familiar with Crocs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've seen a lot of girls wearing Crocs now. They're my, not wearing Vans? You're sure they're well, not wearing they're Vans? they're wearing both. Okay. Crocs. I yeah. mean, th- that was like the bottom of the barrel, like grocery store, slip-on yeah. shoe. Yeah. And now... You you buy them in Nordstrom's. Don't yeah. How girls how are wearing happens. Crocs. I don't know how it happens either.
0: Anti Athlete of the Week is, if you haven't seen the video, was it a cheerleading contest competition? Was it halftime of a basketball game? I'm sure not I'm still not sure what it was. It was in a basketball gym, yeah. two St. Louis groups of cheerleaders, high school cheerleaders, start cheering. One cheers, then the other cheers. If you watch the full video, the anti athlete of the week are all these they get it, they get into a major haymaker yes, brawl. I mean a rhubarb. They start throwing haymakers. <laughs> yeah. Two sets of high school cheerleaders get into it in the middle of either a cheerleading competition or a high school basketball game. They they would be my anti athletes of the week. And my athlete of the week, you kinda stole my thunder in the first say it's all right. No no one. This no one's made baby. it this far. How, ba- how, how, no, no, are probably not hearing this. How old is that baby? a Couple months?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say like three, four months. Three yeah. four months.
0: If laughing is a sport, you've got you've got to watch this video. There's a video, and I, again, I won't give it away too much. It's pretty simple. There's a video making the rounds, very viral, of a girl, young mother, feeding her baby boy, I think it's a baby boy, sitting there in a high chair, and she's faking sneezing. She's fake sneezing, as yeah. we all did. And this kid, this baby, five months old, thinks this is the funny. The, the one sad thing is, is I don't think in this, this baby could live to 100, 120 by the time he... He'll never he'll never find anything funnier than this. He,
1: he's, he's, it's over. He's maxed out. He's maxed out. <laughs>
0: yeah, because there's nothing that can be possibly oh, he loves it, funnier he? than this than the fake sneak. He laughs like it's the mo- and I keep watching. I've watched it like a thousand times myself.
1: You said you're a you think all babies are cute. Uh, I've never seen a, an ugly baby or a bad musical. I'm oh well I've seen a bad well, I walked out of Yankee Doodle Dandy, so I don't totally agree with you, but I I can watch a baby laughing all day long. I love when babies oh, of laugh. Course. I mean, it's the, the cutest thing. Well, then you saw the, this. You yes. saw this video. He's my athlete of the week. I love it. Great. He's my
0: athlete. Okay, you got to decide what, the, uh, what, the,
1: uh, what we're titling the show, don't you? Do you want me to save Russell Wilson's new hairstyle for next time? Uh, I've seen it. Yeah, it's not good. Woo. Now, I don't know if that's what he's going with uh, yeah. officially. Yeesh. Yeah. All right, we can talk more no, about it's it. It's not good. It's <laughs> not good.
0: That's got his wife Not that I'm written. some sort of extra hair follicle expert. <laughs>
1: right. No. No. No good. All right. I'm ready. Yeah. Why? I'm going to go. What do you mean why? Well, tell me who and why. I'm going to go episode Anthony Munoz. Okay. Because, okay. because I believe Chris Collinsworth when he says, when he talks about how good he was. Okay. He's I was a kid when he played. I mean, I haven't really followed his career. But if he's that good, I'm going episode Anthony Munoz. that's what i get around the house like i get those answers all the time (laughs) it's so funny the way he does it anthony (laughs) okay
0: Okay. anthony muñoz is in the uh, episode anthony muñoz is in the